Hello, and welcome back to the Ark of E podcast. My name is Noah. And my name is Gavin. And we're the Blanchard Brothers, and we are back with uh, part two, the the midsection of our year-end wrap-up pods. Yeah. We're going to be talking about television. Television. Which I feel like we, you know, in general, maybe doesn't get the most play on even our long-form Ark of E pods. Right. But, uh... We're often not watching the same things at the same time. So, with that in mind, we're going to talk about the year in television as a whole, kind of broadly. We're going to go through our list. We're going to try and stay spoiler-free, because with that in mind, not everybody's watching the same stuff at the same time. Yeah, not everybody's a cable cutter like we are. I mean, yes, I have cable. a lot of people are, but yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I just, I mean. Now we're all just hooked up to the stream. Yeah. Just streaming into our. I mean, technically I have cable. eyeballs. What? I, technically I have cable because the cable companies figured out, yeah, yeah, it's fine. We'll just make it extremely hard for you to have just the internet because we're going to jack that price up. So what we're going to do, we're going to offer you a bundle to have the internet and a cable box in your, in your house. So there's a cable box out front and it's dope. It's newer than mom and dad's. But I have cable in my room, so it's just, you know, the old PS4 with the, uh... We have cable downstairs, and I would say in the last calendar year, um, I have used it maybe a total of, like, ten times. Mostly to watch the Eric Andre show, as it aired, Mm -hmm. uh, Holy Kalama Vote, as it aired, all of Primal. The election? Uh, No. No? I didn't watch any election coverage on, on cable. It was all on my phone. Last Dance? I mean, no, I didn't watch it on cable. No, okay. I watched it on the ESPN app. Okay. Un- uncut. Why would I watch it on cable? Something to do if you're not doing anything. I, I wanted to hear that man say fuck as much as he wanted to. Okay. That's what I wanted. Okay. I wanted the raw, uncut Rodman. I wanted oh, yeah. the real Pippin. I, I want them to be able to say fuck if they want to. Yeah. Just like we can hear. You know, set a record this episode? Most fucks given? <laughs> Is that what we're doing? And received? I don't know. Okay. Let's move right along. Okay. How do you receive a fuck? I don't understand. It blew my mind. Do we need to have this talk? Yes. How old are you? Um, 32. Okay. The year as a whole was built for TV for most people. If you were quarantined, if you you had a long stretch where, you know, hopefully you weren't out of work, hopefully you work from home or, or something. But, uh, yeah, I imagine a lot of catch-up time. So I imagine people, you know, maybe craving some newness, definitely catching everything as it came out, but also taking the time, as I did this year, to clear up some blind spots, the biggest one being The Sopranos, which I talked about at length as I worked my way through it. I did some of those. That was my big, like, classic binge of this year. But I've been pretty current with the 2020 shows and it's one of the things unlike movies we'll get to that on our next episode yeah the year of movies my god okay uh 2020 the year of movies question mark yeah but tv was kind of unimpeded by all of this no i mean even to the point advance yeah and even to the point where i know it was like okay this is kind of the final thrust, and then first part of next year is going to be interesting for like what there is actually to release. But it's amazing how many like of the late night shows have like transitioned from like we're doing home shows now and are now transitioning back into like 
Yeah, we're doing like, I guess, small audiences. I don't know. I don't watch late night. Me neither. I watch the clips if they show up in a news feed the next day. Yeah, and that's, but that, and I feel like that was happening way before COVID hit. And I just think it's a weird thing because in out throughout all this, I have been picturing this as like, this is a test run because what this proved to all of us is that with relative is some uneasiness a lot of civil unrest we've talked about that but for the most part i would say 60 70 percent of the whole deal has been okay with uh like we haven't had a major depression we haven't like collapsed so like moving forward are we going to get the george jetson week and like, there's only a certain number of us that go in and punch the buttons for the robots. And what are the rest of us going to do? Are we going to get money from the government to not work? What are we going to spend our time doing? Are we going to devolve into like a ready player one type situation where you, the whole planet's like just, ugh, but we all jack into this thing and like experience it and view it and, and our, so you're assuming we're not already jacked in right now. <laughs> well, there's a lot of cases that say, yes, we are. But the fact that we keep repeating ourselves, I'm like, why the hell would we keep doing this? This can't be a simulation if we keep repeating ourselves. Um, or maybe it is. I don't know. But I just looked at this as like, okay, what if we have, what, what do you do if half or more of the population just doesn't work? They just don't for whatever reason. Obviously now it's a terrible va- virus. But what if we got to the point where it's like, we don't need half the workforce. What are you going to do? We got to, you're going to do what China does and like keep the people in the hills there to not come take jobs. Or are you going to push forward into entertainment and be like, and just sit home and watch this thing, pipe it right into your TV, right into your internet. And I feel like, like you said, TV was built for this. The it's great streaming walls of 2021. <laughs> yeah. Like it was made, it was tailor made for this. Stuff was already shot beforehand. They never saw Peacock coming. <laughs> it was late in the year 2019. Peacock suddenly becomes like the number one. Yeah. Because they secretly like sabotage everything else, including Netflix. Speaking of Peacock, did you hear about the new announcement for Law & Order? No. Law & Order. Organized crime. Okay. Detective Elliot Stabler okay. returns to the force. All right. After you a personal peaked, tragedy. You piqued my interest. Yeah. I'm interested. Because I kind of feel like, yes, New York is a huge city, but if you go undercover to stop one organized crime family, wouldn't the rest be like, hey, Stabler, that guy, he's not who he says he is. Don't fuck with him. You know, like it doesn't seem like it can withstand something that like SVU has. I am curious. And we didn't really talk about this on albums because, you know, not many of ours directly were addressing what was going on Mm -hmm. like throughout the year. But... In the same way, I'm interested to see where movies go with, like, how we, you know, interpret all this through art and, like, the art that comes out of it. Same thing with TV where I'm like, is there going to be a move of, like, okay, well, everybody's got... I I know some shows have already had, like, their COVID episodes and stuff. Right. But is it going to be a thing where, like, people are going to want to move, like, away from that quickly? Or is it going to, like, invade weird genres where we don't see it happen and it's like what is a what does a police procedural look like in covid times like what crime is going on in like new york when everybody's supposedly under like lockdown domestic violence well that's uh, yeah <laughs> I, I mean jesus christ yeah. 
starting off really dark. I'm sure we're going to have some dark conversations throughout our list. Yeah, I don't but know. no, and that's that's what I'm saying because like I think it's interesting. You know, we can talk, we can transition into it now. You look, I, I, when Cobra Kai hit Netflix, I completely forgot that it actually came out last year. For some reason in my mind, it was like, oh yeah, that was this year. No, it's just that it came to Netflix. Yeah. But you see like the positive response to that and you see the positive response to like, you mentioned the Queen's Gambit the other day. I feel like, yeah, some people have addressed it, but with the popularity of those shows, those have nothing to do with this. I wonder how yeah. season three of Cobra Kai is going to go knowing that like, that's a thing that COVID is a thing now. Are they going to lean into it at all? Make knowledge of it? Or is it going to stay? Think time, I don't think timeline-wise. It would work. You're right. Well, I think they're just their post-production got slowed down. That was right. part of the delay and the move to Netflix and off of... like It would have been premiering on YouTube except for the fact that YouTube said, this will be it. We're not going to do 4 and 5. Mm-hmm. And Netflix was like... and they, Well, excuse me. YouTube awesomely was like but you guys are free to shop it wherever you want to like we're not just gonna like kill your show three seasons in that's it they're like if if you want to shop it you can take season three somewhere else yeah so the transition to netflix is partly what delayed it on top of post-production already being delayed but i think they i mean they were done so as far as it like entering into the plot i doubt it now again that's a question for like season four because, but I, again, that's it's that shows in its own reality in right, some ways, exactly. anyway. So it's like, you that, would, but that's what I'm getting at. People want to get out of that. I feel like right. the popularity I, of saying. them all is I, making I it where I don't think you're going to see like a massive. Obviously, some things are going to like. I imagine a lot of network shows that are right. watched by like you know what amounts to crazy numbers these days. What's acceptable crazy numbers for for TV? Yeah, but um. I think those shows will probably tackle it at some point if they haven't already, if they're not being shot in the midst of, you know, I don't know. I don't watch, like, anything on network, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we mentioned, we are we have cable, but we don't use it. Only reason I've ever watched any kind of cable is I have it because it's for... free at my apartment and it comes bundled with the internet, but, like, well, that's it. Yeah, but, I mean, only reason I've ever watched stuff is uh, sports games because they usually have money on them and that's it. Well, there you go. Yeah. I'm not not a big sports guy, man. I wasn't this year because, I mean, I know they were happening, but yeah, yeah. It was interesting <laughs> this year if you ever just to watch what people I, I, did. See, with I, no, you would think I would no have stands. the morbid fascination, but I feel like I like I dipped in and like I just wanted to see what a crowd looked like at yeah. like a football game or the basketball bubble, like all of that stuff. Yeah, just to check it out. Which I my favorite successful. My, weird to say, but my favorite thing to come out of all of that was the wrestling with no crowd oh yeah just wild to watch just like haunting and then somebody took the twin peaks score and put it behind it oh my god i don't i thought i sent that to you at some point. no i don't think that was like months ago yeah but great stuff one thing that did make it i think just in general with all that we can get it to we could we've talked to cobra kai we know we know we're gonna be doing that yeah Um, well but we've mentioned on a previous episode but just to reiterate um we, we love Cobra Kai here. We covered it on the TV arc. If you're not subscribed to that feed, go do it. But it's pretty much dead at this point. Right. But there's old episodes to check out. Uh, but we've covered season one and season two um, in kind of giant-sized, like, season recap form. Right. What we're planning for season three, now that there's, like, way more eyeballs on it, and given the fact that there's plenty of Cobra Kai podcasts that are going to break this thing down episode by episode, 
We're not going to do that. We are going to do a binge-along because you and I have never watched an episode of this show together. Nope. So that's going to be a whole other experience. But the plan is sit down, set up some of our expectations for the season, what we're excited to see, what we think might happen, and then we're going to watch an episode, jump back on Mike, talk about it for a few minutes, and then keep it rolling. Yeah. And you're going to get one giant-sized episode that you can listen to as you watch the season, if you choose to, or you can listen to it after you finish it, or you can not listen to it at all. You yeah. know, that's an option as well. Yeah. Presumably, not the best one, Presumably, but I mean... you're not hearing this right now, though, if you're not going to listen to Yeah. It. So, uh, yeah, but that's coming uh, January 8th. We'll be recording it. We'll try and have it up that evening, Yeah, ideally. And, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to it. It's the... The Cobra Kai season three birthday Benjalong. See, with the Blanchard brothers. Yes, that works. Yeah, you could do Blanchard brothers. It's not really Gavin's birthday, but he wanted to call it that because it's only a mere twenty days away. Right. So he's looking at it as like they they gave a present to him, even though you know, this has nothing to do with your brother. Right. Literally, no, nothing at all. Nothing except you know we willed it to get to Netflix and Mm -hmm. everybody to discover it because we did two awesome podcasts about it when it was on fucking YouTube. Yep. Fucking bandwagoners. Real quick. Our dad watched that season one. Oh, he Shame on all of you. Yeah. Shame on all you of you. He watched, watched it. it before it was on Netflix, and he loves Netflix. Yes, he does. Immensely. He came over to YouTube for it. YouTube Red. He did a subscription. Was, yeah. yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Great stuff. Real quick, what I was going to say. I got to stop saying great stuff, man. Yeah. Great stuff. Um, it's hard not to uh, on year-end episodes. Cause of course. It kind of says it all, right? It's interesting to look at, and I think it's funny, because, going back to sports real quick, I watched the Conor McGregor fight earlier in the year in Uh front of thousands, you know, whatever. He wins in under, like, 40 seconds. Right. And then to fast forward to what's been going on in that that sport for the past, like, six months, it's literally, they condensed the octagon that they fight in, and there's nobody there but the teams, so you... Not only are you hearing more of what the trainers are going at, but like right. when things land, I watched one special and it, it in three fights out of the all of them, there were literally one punch walk off knockouts. Like somebody just leaned back on the cage, came up, boom, guy goes down, other dude drops his hands and just Sober. walks off. That's it. <laughs> I watched one where like the dude was out on the ground yeah. and the guy had to look up at the ref like Dude, come! He's he's. You gonna jump in here? I'm not gonna hit him again. He's out. I can see he's out. Like what the hell? And of course, then the rest like, okay, it's over. It's like, do your job, man. Like you're not paying attention to this guy on the ground that I just hit twice, and I don't need to hit anymore. I'm walking away. It's over. Fight's over. Yeah. But that was the biggest weird thing for me in sports. The football stuff. I know some people are like, no, like Tampa Bay is like nobody coming in whatsoever. And then other places were like, you can come in. You know, whatever you can kind of like, like I went to a game with dad. That was interesting. It was nice because you could like hear everything, but they piped in noise. And right. the, only, the only problem was when the speaker next to us like frizzed out. So it was just like a instead of the that you're supposed to be hearing because mm-hmm. they were piping in fan noise. But yeah, weird. you want to start it off or you want me to start it off? Um, I believe I started last episode, so. If you want to, but regardless, we can flip flop for the the film episode, or we'll just figure it out on the yeah. day. We'll do it on the day. Well, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say up front, we decided because we talked before the show. If you can believe that or not, we're not supposed to, but we did. Yeah. yeah. Normally, we sit in silent uh, booths. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
both both have uh, headphones on. I usually uh, I usually get a, some boxing gloves, start shaking my shoulders, getting ready to get pumped. Throws up. on uh, WTF with Mark Maron. Yep. That's his fight music. Mm-hmm. That uh, and then yep. some uh, Lose Yourself Eminem. Uh, I went ahead and took Mandalorian off of my list because it is running. We can talk about it later. Yes. I do want to talk Season about it later. Season two is not over, and we decided right. to go ahead and record this. But with that said, this is kind of the Mando memorial list because, you know. All, all signs point to this probably cracking my top 10. Oh, yeah. I loved season one, which was not on my previ- on my list last year. I know it was on yours. It just missed the cut. Mm-hmm. But I am over the moon with season two. Yeah. I love everything about it. There's so much to talk about. Uh, we may get into, with all of these shows, what we're going to do is we're going to try and sell each other uh, or you, the audience, on them as we work our way through. But then on the back half of this, after we do honorable mentions, etc., we can get into spoilers, and whoever wants to stick around is more than welcome to. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so we took Mandalorian off the table. But again, six episodes deep, it definitely is still in contention in my brain, but it freed up a spot for other stuff. So, yeah. Okay. Any other caveats before uh, we get in, or you just you want to kick it off? Um... Other than the fact that none of the show, well, no, actually, two of the shows I have on here are technically shows that would have showed up on a cable feed for you. Most of them are for on pay services. But my number ten is a little comedy that came out early in the year on Netflix, um, and it's called AJ and the Queen, starring one RuPaul. Okay, I didn't check it out. Yeah, I know you're a huge Drag Race fan. I love Drag Race. I love RuPaul. He has pretty much has everyone. That you can think of in the drag race world make a cameo. It's mm-hmm. a little, uh, I don't want to say like a road show, but it's basically he's head over heels with a guy. The guy's going to like, you know, they're going to open a, a, a club or something. I can't remember if it's a club or a, some business deal with this love of his life. And then, oh, wait a minute. I think he took all your money and ran. And by oh, the way, there's this, there's this, you know, small child that, you know, is without her parent that you have to you decide to take under your wing very reminiscent i I got a lot of like two wong fu vibes from it but it you know i think it's 10 episodes total <clears> and i don't know if you got a lot of what vibes two. two wong fu thanks for, for everything, everything julie, julie newmar yes okay. i got a lot of those vibes right. um he is just hysterical um and i'm you know i'm he's kind of already conquered the you know uh what's it logo is the network i think and maybe vh1 i think has the rights to to um Drag Race, uh, what do they call it when they put them in rotation again? Syndication? Syndication, that's the word. Yeah. But uh, Logo, that network network is where you can find the new episodes of Drag Race. But AJ and the Queen on Netflix, that's my number 10. Cute comedy, pretty funny. The the humor's there. All right. I think you would enjoy it. Okay. Maybe just watch the first episode, see what you think. Check it out at some point. I remember when it dropped, and I was like, this looks cute, and then I just, we never checked it out, yeah. and that's what happens with I mean, Netflix January stuff. T- if you don't start it that weekend, nope. and it kind of fades out of the list that you see, if it's not top of mind. Yeah. It can't be part of body? I don't know. And if my brother's not yelling at me like, dude, you gotta watch AJ and the Queen, which I do remember you saying at some point, so. All right. It's your number 10. My number 10 is over on Hulu. And go enjoy it because there is no season two. Damn it. Uh, High Fidelity is my number 10. Okay. 
based we talked off about the, it a little bit when it came out, based the off book. the novel and the film adaptation, yes. heavily based off the film adaptation. Uh, but you got Zoe Kravitz taking over for the John Cusack role. Uh, I'm trying to think. I don't have the supporting cast at the top of my brain right this second, but High Fidelity is one of my all-time favorite movies, one of my favorite books as well. The way they navigate adapting both of those things simultaneously is pretty amazing. And we talked about this at the time when it came out. Um, the closest thing I can compa- compare it to is Cobra Kai because it's taking something that's like a beloved piece of IP to me. Mm-hmm. And I naturally want to have my guard up about it. And even though I was excited when they announced it, I was like, this sounds great. Yeah, switch it. Female lead. Set in the present day. Um, they move it from Chicago to New York, if I'm not mistaken. I think they do transplant it. But it managed to... The one regret I have that it's not getting a season two is that I love the show pretty much top to bottom, but I thought it got stronger and stronger as it became more of its own thing. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of great like fan service to the movie and the novel itself. But... Uh, those, and those things are great, and I enjoyed them when they were happening, but I always thought it was at its strongest when it was doing its own thing and really establishing, you know, its own voice. And it seemed like it was on a trajectory to continue to do that into season two, and unfortunately, I think this is one that is directly affected by COVID. I mean, they were shooting on the streets of New York, which is just not uh, going to yeah, be a no. thing for a while. So I think that is why we saw it dropped now theoretically, if you can get all these people back together again, you know, maybe a year or two down the line, somebody else picks it up. Um, But I had a great time with it. Uh, I think stands, you know, shoulder to shoulder with the film and the novel as just a a great piece about music and relationships and all of the stuff in between. So, yeah. I feel like that this one there's a couple of other ones that came out. I have to figure I have to go I'd have to go look at a list to tell you. But it feels like this is like a maybe it's not as big a trend as I think it is, but there's a lot of things that I feel like, oh, here's the TV show now of the movie, yes. so to speak. Um I'm trying to think of one. I was because I was looking at a list the other day and I was like, wait a minute, there are, there's a movie about that. Like I remember Twelve Monkeys, they did that. Which again, Twelve Monkeys is an adaptation of Lodge and Never watched an episode of it. Me neither. Yeah. Uh, the Mist. They did that on yeah. um, Sci-Fi as well. So I feel like not this year, obviously, but there's a few others out there that I'm like, okay, now here's the full series of this show that was a really good movie. Yeah. Why do you think that needs to be a thing? I think that it's like Riverdale when they made that. It was like. That's kind of out there. Archie Comics. I mean, some Basically, people remember Archie that. Archie as Twin Peaks, but yeah. like for, for teens, for hot teens, right? right? Yeah. And I'm pretty episode. sure they're all they're all CW shows, these shows I'm thinking yeah. of. But it's just, you know, I don't know how much of that is like, you, you mentioned it, like searching, you know, it was like a great IP that you already loved. So I just think about like, yeah, that's okay. definitely a, a top five at some point. I think we, I kind of addressed it because I did a high fidelity centric episode with uh, Mr. Sunshine Mayfield. And I believe we discussed what we would want to adapt into, into like a long form series movies that we would take and adapt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember what any of those are, but go check out that episode. It's on this feed from earlier this year. Okay. Um, your number nine, sir. Is that where we're at? Yep. My number nine 
is a little HBO show called The Plot Against America. I'm very glad that you have it on your list. It literally just missed the cut. I believe it's my number 11. Let me confirm. It is, in fact, my number 11. Mm -hmm. Uh, You and I talked about it kind of almost week to week. We broke it up a little bit. And, uh, I mean, but please, it's your pick. So, by all means, tell people what you liked about it. If I don't watch this show this year, I don't think it has the appeal to me. I think it part of my fascination with it and reason why I love it, not because it's, it's, I, I fucking love period pieces, but the way in which that, that is, was infused into, you know, what was going on at the time here with us in our political landscape to mirror that and say, Hey, wouldn't it be crazy if essentially this is how the same thing could have happened back in the day? Thank God it didn't, you know? And I know we talked about the fact that like, at the end, it's like, eh, you know, this was crazy, but we all we all worked it out, and we we did go into the war anyway. Lindbergh wasn't actually ever elected, that sort of thing. Right. But just to, if anybody wasn't aware of kind of how fucked up things were, if you were able to watch that show and be like, well, this isn't how it happened, but this is kind of fucked up, and you didn't walk away thinking, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Is this what's going on now? Is this what these guys are doing? You would, it, if if you had well, to figure it out that way, it sucks, but I'm glad you figured it out. Well, you know what I mean? What I think is also so interesting is I remember going into the show, people were like, why is David Simon doing this now? Like, this seems like something you make immediately in the wake of Trump, or at least in the wake of um, Charlottesville. Right. Would make sense, which I think timeline-wise, it kind of... Yeah. Production probably like pre-productions mm-hmm. probably started around that time. Yeah. But that was the take on it going in was why now this is going to feel passe and then it ended up feeling like startlingly relevant. I feel like not a lot of people watched it. I haven't seen it come up on many year end lists, but I haven't seen that many TV lists yet. Um I think, again, a tough watch, as we talked about. Yes, definitely. And I don't know how many people were down for tough watches this year, so I forgive people that didn't check it out, and I don't know how it will play removed from this year and the moment that it came out in. But it's a it's a great piece of television and storytelling, period. Fantastic performances, great period detail, um, and by all accounts, a pretty impressive adaptation of, of a beloved novel. Um which HBO had another one of those this year. Which, oh, yeah. Which uh, just missed my list as well. Hmm. But, uh, might come up on yours, so I'm not going to say what it is. Yeah. We'll talk about it in honorable mentions. I will recommend to you just one more time. Uh, Indignation is another Philip Roth novel, which was adapted into a movie by James Seamus, I believe, the guy who works with Ang Lee a lot. Okay. Uh really really good movie and if you want kind of that plot against america vibe and tone but applied to a completely different story uh i would highly recommend it i think it's on hbo max right now okay okay my number nine uh is going to be tabled okay you want to talk about it later when we can do spoilers we'll talk about it whenever it comes up on your list because i think it's going to be a bit higher so uh, i defer to you for your number eight and we will flip flop sir Okay, my number eight is a little show called Perry Mason. Perry Mason did not see, so I will let you take it away. 
Oh, man. never never caught up with it. Mm-hmm. Missed it when it started, and uh, heard good things, but just okay. Couldn't fit it into the schedule. I think the thing that is the draw for Perry Mason is the fact and the idea that when you are shown this time in movies, even movies that they make about this time now, everyone has this weird way of talking and everyone's so whatever. I watched that Mank movie, okay? And that's the first thing I thought of was like, fucking people actually talk like this back in the day? I Hold the phone. Sorry. We are on the TV arc, but you watch Mank, brother? I did. You watch Mank? You said you that was like the holdout for you, so I watched it. I was very happy to hear that. That's okay, all, okay. That's all I have to say. And I mean, again, and it's one <laughs> maybe, of Maybe, just maybe, you'll hear more about it. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> That's Mank on Netflix, December 4th. Um, People do need to be reminded because every time I tell Veronica, we got to watch Mank, she's like, what? We got to watch what? Like, what the fuck is that movie about? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, the guy who wrote Citizen Kane. And I've literally said it to her, I'm not kidding, like four or five times now. She never remembers what Mank is about. I did I, see it in the theaters, by the way. I we just haven't rewatched. I haven't rewatched it, and she hasn't watched it for the first time on Netflix. Because every time I'm like, "Babe, we gotta watch Mank," she's just like, "What? What?" I'll tell you this, and we could, we could. This is my 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 two second review. I enjoyed it, but if that's why I don't get Mindhunter season three for another couple years. Fuck you, David David Pitt, or whatever his name is. Who did this? David Fincher. I was going to say David Lynch. From my head, I was thinking Lynch, because you just said Twin Peaks. Yeah, fuck David Fincher. This is the reason why I don't get more Mindhunter. The reason you don't get more Mindhunter mm-hmm. is because not enough people watched it, unfortunately, and it cost a lot of money to make. Well, That's a Netflix decision. That's not a David Fincher decision. Well, He had that thing slated for five seasons. It's just no, not enough people are watching it, and it costs way too much to make. Okay. Well, so it's done, I'm, by the way. I'm sorry. In case you hadn't had it confirmed. Somebody, somebody so will pick it up. Somebody when, should basically, pick it up. Basically, what they, sorry, we, we will get back to TV in a second, but basically what they said to him was, sorry, we got to let Mindhunter go, but like, you're our boy. You started Netflix original programming. Um, can you, you know, what do you want to do? You can do whatever you want. He's like, I want to direct the screenplay that my dad wrote. Like forever ago, uh, back in the 90s, I want to direct this screenplay. And by the way, it's in black and white, and it's about Citizen Kane, kind of. Uh, yeah, and they were like, all right, go do it. Okay. So we I hope get, it was worth we it. We get Mank because we can't have more Mindhunter. Right. He gets to make this like deeply personal passion project thing he's been trying to make since the 90s on Netflix because... They won't let him have his mind on your show anymore. Right. Which was one of the most brilliant, dark, like great pieces of like Exactly. True crime esque like mm-hmm. programming probably since true detective, I would say. Yeah, I yeah. I would agree with that. So Um but anyway, I Yeah. I'm sure maybe we'll talk about it. I'll definitely be talking about it more on our movies episode. I don't know about you. Yeah. But, yeah. but anyway. Um, a little Mank preview. Exactly. Taste of Mank. But that is the thing about that movie, Mank, that I was like, fucking people really talk like this? And I just think that the reason I love Perry Mason, which was my number eight pick, is that. I remember. It is. Everybody else totally did too. Yeah. It is. It is a version of that character that not a lot of people have seen. I talked to mom about it, how like you never saw Perry Mason as not 
in the white suit, good lawyer, whatever, whatever. Uh And he drinks and he fucks and he is trying to save his family's farm. And his protege, John Lithgow, is like trying to save a woman who may or may not have like killed her child and all this different shit. So it sounds like this is a case where it's like, well, it doesn't really sound like Perry Mason at all, right? Right. So why the fuck is it called Perry Mason? Why not just make another show set in this time period, call it whatever? Why? Because Perry Mason is a piece of IP. It's a name people know. Right. So it's like, we're going to use this to do this gritty 50s detective story that we want to do. Right. And we can do it under the guise of this, but it's like... And it's we're not rebooting, even... we're reimagining Perry Mason, but was there ever an incarnation of Perry Mason that was this? I don't I don't really know. I mean, I know the old show. Paul watches it all the time on that 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 new network for old TV shows he always has on. But this is more of a So it's just like a straight up like Perry Mason, Matlock. What if okay Kojak? It's, uh, th- this is gonna sound like really <laughs> cliche, but what if I just told you that the entire series is a an origin story of Perry Mason, and he was in World War Two, and he had to do some some fuck shit, and like he's back, and he's working for John Lithgow, and all of a sudden this woman and her husband get caught up in this like kidnapping scheme. The child winds up dead, and he's got to find find the it's L.A. corruption. Um, what's his face? The dude from uh, Barry, the bad guy from Barry. What's his name? Which one? The you know Fuchs from. Barry. Oh, uh, Stephen Root. Stephen Root is the uh, DA, like the big DA of California, all who's right. railing against this woman for being having like, you know, two lovers and all this. There's a the girl who was on um, uh, what is her name? She was she had the show. It wasn't Black Mirror. It's British woman, and she Tatia Tatiana Maslany. Yeah, she is like the a. Um, part of like a religious family that has deep political ties. Robert Patrick is in it as well. Okay. Like I'm trying to sell you on it without I'm, telling you what it's about, but I definitely think you should check it out. It's a great period piece again, but it's, it's so lived in and it feels like you could change their outfits and give me this in the sixties, the seventies and the eighties. And I would still enjoy it because they, they fucking talk like people. They don't talk like this, mm-hmm. The way they're going on and on in that make movie. And there's nothing wrong with that make movie. I know that people want to believe in Hollywood and the golden era of Hollywood is like this lovely thing. And it's like remembered so fondly. But like people fuck, people drink, people smoke. Like, and that's what Perry Mason is. It's not necessarily a great look and a well-remembered thing of this like, Uh I would argue, an iconic TV show that kind of ushered in the era of television and kind of stole some of the fire from Hollywood this is a very well done, you know, perfectly made, produced, like looks amazing, you know, way to like kind of, I mean, no, nobody's out there going like, oh, Perry Mason's the guy, dude. Kids are going to fucking love this guy. He's a great role model. Like Perry Mason, man, why don't we have more guys like that out there? Mm-hmm. Nobody's doing that. This is just like, to me, it's like the honest portrayal of what someone in that situation will go through. Because you, I mean, I, I feel like in the coming out of the war, there was a lot of stuff where people were like, oh yeah, he was in World War II. And you have like a certain image, but you don't really get the true vibe of like what that might have meant for someone. Because he's got, you know, problems, all this different stuff. But This might be a movie, this might be a TV show, but give me a Sam Spade series with Michael fucking Shannon. 
Ooh. It just can't. They come to me. Just, yes. They're just out there. Just, just pull them in. Um, is it? No, I'm thinking you're right. The no. first season is the Maltese Falcon. Right. And you just work your way. I mean, or you pick whichever. You can go with whatever order you want to. Well, no, I like to think of like a, let's do a, a, a Rick Casablanca. Let's just have him each season be a different Bogart character that Mike Shannon does okay. his own version of and what they what hijinks they get into. I can dig it. Yeah. All right. Your number eight. My number eight. It, it could have been way higher. You know, I don't know. Who am I kidding? It probably should have been like in the top five. It's the real bros of Simi Valley. Okay. Season three. <laughs> just some great stuff this year. Zan and Molly got married. Zan took Molly. In more ways than one. They went to Cabo for their bachelor and bachelorette parties. Shit got wild. And I'm mainly talking about like the last handful of episodes because they had a pretty unique case of basically running into a brick wall in terms of post-production for COVID. So there was the first seven episodes, I believe, dropped. And then a like six to seven month delay... And then we got the final three wrapping it up. And it it was so worth the wait. Like, it was it was a bummer to not have it every Friday when it stopped running. And it was like, oh my god, man, this sucks. But they came back so strong. I, I've said it before, I'll say it again. It's like, pop, probably the funniest show on television. <laughs> and it's not on television, it's on Facebook Watch, uh, to be specific. Funniest show on the internet, arguably. But to refresh anybody who hasn't listened to previous uh, year-end wrap-up episodes where I have had the seasons listed because season two was very high. uh, Was that two years ago now? I don't remember. Yeah, I think it was two years ago. Um, Real Bros is, uh, it's it's a mockumentary. It's It's a parody show about your, you know, your Real Housewives-esque, you know, type setup. But it's about bros in, in Simi Valley and all the you know, crazy shit they get into and their girlfriends, et cetera, and how they have like, you know, really no problems. It's just all manufactured drama for the show. And the show has progressively gotten more and more meta where like they're aware that they're in a TV show Uh and like to the point where there was a character who was introduced this season who kind of just slowly stirred up drama. And there was like all this suspicion around like, who is this chick? And what they ultimately find out is like, yo guys, so I, I think the producers like hired that chick just to stir up drama for the wedding. Cause like otherwise, you know how much we hate drama. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, they also moved from like, usually they're pretty bite sized format when it started out on YouTube. The episodes got longer when they went to Facebook watch and you know, now they're any, some of them are as long as like 35 minutes. Some of them are on the shorter side of like 22, but it, it is pound for pound the funniest show out there in my mind. Uh, it's Real Bros of Simi Valley. This was their third season, and even with a giant COVID delay, still managed to crack the top 10 at my number eight slot. Great show. Go check it out on Facebook Watch. So this is my number six. Real Bros is your number six? No, 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 no. no. Yeah, sure. Uh, because we I, gave, I just gave you my eight. No, you gave me your seven. No, I just gave you, you my eight. eight because we skipped my number nine, sir. I thought you skipped your number. No, skip. I gave you high fidelity at the ten slot. We're already screwing up the numbers. Yeah, we are. Yeah, class, of course. Classic. Classic. classic bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
I did not give you my number nine because I think it's going to be higher on your list. So we reverted to you for your number eight. Then we came back to me for my number eight, which was Real Bros. Right. Your number eight was Perry Mason. Right. So this is going to be my number seven. This is your number seven. Okay. My number seven. That you were trying to skip. Yeah, That you didn't want to talk about. Yeah, of course. Because you were scared. Yeah, I am. Because it's been a minute, but it's zero, zero, zero. (laughs) Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Talk about it. Oh, I thought you, you were going to... It was your pick, man. Okay, all I'm, right. It's I'm, not on your list. I was list. just giving you some ups. Okay. Um, zero, zero, zero is my number 19. Okay. Uh, no shade to it whatsoever. Because I talked about this. It has grown in my esteem the more distance I've had from it, weirdly. Mm-hmm. the I And I think that's because some of the bugs, if you will, some of the like minimal complaints I had about it, mainly that stemmed from Dane DeHaan mm-hmm. uh, overall. Uh all that stuff has just kind of faded in my memory. And what has risen up is Harold Torres as, is it, what is he known as? Is it El Diablo? Or I don't know what the, the nickname they give him. But Oh, yeah. And then Andrea Riseborough, like everything oh, yeah. she's doing in that show. Incredible stuff. Just great international crime. I mean, mm-hmm. we're, we're going to talk a little bit more about some international crime a little yeah, later. Well, yeah. Um, but great international crime story. Big, just big splashy like you felt the budget of it right and this is another this is sky studios who secretly like as far as international productions go they they now are responsible for this uh the third day mm-hmm. as well uh another show that i keep avoiding talking about because it was my number nine but they're they're putting out some great stuff overall really interesting projects uh, this is no different. I hope we get a season two. Me too. But to refresh it for the audience, we did talk about it a bit. It is basically about the international drug trade from all angles. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry. No, dude, I'm totally... <laughs> That's what I was smiling. I was like, I got was, him. I got him to talk about I it. Because I wanted to... It was very close to like creeping back up onto my yeah. top ten. Again, I... I love so much of the show that all of the minimal criticisms have faded to the background. So it has just like gone up in my, in my rankings. It was way lower on the list, like a couple weeks ago, honestly, it's just yeah. one of those, when I think back to it, I'm like, the show is fucking badass yes. and intense. And like, it does one of the best jobs to me of weaving together a giant story that I don't think a lot of things can do because you watch you watch a scene and you're taking it from the Gabriel Byrne, the family. They don't maybe they do the drugs. Who cares? They ship them. That's all they are. They're in a they're in a a they get a thing that they you know this big aging Italian drug lord is like I'm getting a big fucking shipment of coke and it's coming from Mexico and I got this company to bring it here. We're gonna divide it up and everybody's gonna get a piece of the pie. And you're like, that's great. But then you're like, wait a minute. Someone inside of his midst, maybe in a, even in his own family, has got it out for him. And then we cut to the people who are actually responsible for ferrying the drugs. It It's almost, I, I put their business and how I see that up into like like the first season of, of Ozark when you're like, well, he just works for this like lumber co- No, 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 wait. He does the books for a fucking drug outfit. Okay, cool. Same thing with this. You think they're just, hey... We're, you know, we ship internationally with this and that. Oh, by the way, sometimes we ship cocaine, heroin, whatever. And then you get the guys on the ground that are, some of them are federales. Some of them, you know, they work hand in hand with the cartels. They're on the good and bad side of the law. And we talked about it when we talked about it earlier this year. The fucking drugs have nothing to do with it. 
I mean, yeah. they're the catalyst, but this isn't Miami Vice. This isn't like I also doing think... coke and going crazy. It's just a badass fucking show. Yeah. And you mentioned Miami Vice. It it, it is the most Michael Mann thing that mm-hmm. Michael Mann did not direct I've ever seen. Exactly. In the in the best way possible. Down to the score, which just reminded me, this is the as far as television is concerned, this is the score of the year. The Mogwai yes. score for zero 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 is incredible top to bottom that is the main like even if you're like a little lost and like okay i don't know who this character is and like uh, there's a lot of shit going on oh my god a lot of subtitles okay that guy just got killed blah, blah, blah. you can take all that away you can just like but holy shit this music is like amazing right. <laughs> even if you're lost in it you're just like but this this is keeping me going. It's yeah. keeping me engaged. I'm great, gonna say I want to. I'm gonna save it. We can talk about a little bit more spoilers because I do want to talk about like one of my favorite shots in that whole that whole show. Um, but definitely mm-hmm. want to get a season two of that. And yeah. I would love a season two. I really would. Uh, the more and more I think about it, I, I love where it leaves it. But it's like it's such a great dangling thread of like I gotta see Andrew Riseborough in season two. Right. Because people have pointed out, I think it was on the Ringer podcast or something, it would essentially be like Michael Corleone in Godfather Part 2. Right. Like, you've ascended now. Now is you having to, like, deal with the real shit, the shit that you weren't even, like, totally privy to before. Right. And the amount of stuff she's already seen and done to get to this point, I I would love to follow that character for multiple seasons, Um, at least for another one. But also, again, I don't know what the... I don't know how Amazon looks at stuff like this me neither and i don't know how much money they had in it or they were just a distribution service if sky is like i I don't know much about sky i've just seen them like attached to things recently but uh yeah i would love a season two me too again it was in my top 20 uh huge favorite of both of ours and it's available on amazon prime right now zero 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 that was gavin's number eight seven seven almost got it but this is my number seven so that's good. Okay. My number seven is uh, Primal, season one, part two. This was the latest batch of five episodes of Jindy Tartakovsky's Primal. Uh, it made my list last year as well. It's, it, for my money, the best piece of animation on television right now. It is about uh, a, a prehistoric man named Spear and, a, and his female... T-Rex companion, Fang. Uh, yeah, Spear and Fang on their adventures through the primordial wasteland. Uh, they they fight dinosaurs. They fight zombie monkeys. They fight witches. They uh, fight mastodons, triceratops. You name it, dude. All sorts of stuff. Amazing visual storytelling. The main hook of the show, if you will. Zero dialogue. No dialogue. All just great music and grunts and groans and emotion and fantastic animation and uh yeah i talked about it previously but yeah the two of them are bonded by tragedy and then they're on just kind of an ongoing journey through this landscape and spoilers not really i'm not gonna tell you what happens but end of this first season there is kind of a hook into like now there is a purpose or a drive to the show beyond just the kind of moment-to-moment exploration. Hmm. Um, it's great stuff. It's available on HBO Max now. It's released on Adult Swim. Yep. But uh, HBO Max has it, so you have no excuses if you now have HBO Max. Uh, catch up with it. Uh, only 10 episodes, but 
they are literally all little mini masterpieces. Uh, it's one of the best shows on television, period. Not just animated. It's just just great stuff. It's the uh, eighth time I've said that. Yeah. Okay. We get it. It's Jenny Tartakovsky's Primal. That was my number seven. Your number six? My number six is a little comedy called Dave on FX. Uh, This goes up as a caveat because I, for a time, did not have Hulu when Dave was airing and uh, subsequently got Hulu back. So, didn't have time to catch it before Mm -hmm. we made our list. So now I got Perry Mason and Dave to catch up on. Um, I I would also like your list. After we're done with Yeah, this. of course. I'll write it out nice and neat for you so you can put it in the okay. show notes. Because um, there's a lot going lot going on on this list. Um, Dave is just an FX comedy about little dicky rap, Jewish rapper trying to break into the biz. Mm-hmm. Some of the funniest bits. I mean, I wouldn't compare it to another hilarious show and like just good fucking like it's. I wouldn't compare it to like an Atlanta because Atlanta to me is one of the best shows. That was what I slept on that I caught up on this year. Um, it's yeah, it's in like a god tier level yeah. class of its own, right? With like the leftovers and Twin Peaks and yeah. like stuff like that, where oh, it's dude, just so I was, singular dude, and I was, perfect. Literally, yeah. I was typing this up today, and my senior teller, um, she came in. She said, "What are you doing?" I was like, "Finish my list, this and that." And she goes, "Oh, what? I like best TV shows." This. She goes, "Oh yeah, I like this. I like that." And I was like, um, she started saying something, and I said something about The Leftovers. She was like, what's Leftovers? I was like, Leftovers is the best show you've never seen of your entire life. Like, not even last decade, not even the decade you were it's born. Get, it's getting another wave. It literally is yes. right now. And it's so odd. I feel like anybody who watched it in quarantine, like, oh, I feel for you. I really yeah, do. Yeah, especially like, that what second a season. show. Yeah. yeah. But um, uh, anyway, this was one that, like, I, I watched... I was watching Always Sunny on Hulu. I watched one or two. I didn't watch. I don't know how it popped up on Hulu. Oh, it, I finished a show on Hulu and they recommended this because of FX. And I was like, let me just see. And the first episode, I was like, all right, I think I'm kind of. And then I realized I know who Little Dicky is. Right. I don't necessarily know about the music. I get maybe like the parody rap. But then I just kept seeing all these little nods of like the the neuroticness and just like the you know, him fully believing he's one of the best rappers of all time, but he's, and like, he showcases the skill, but arguably, he's all right. Like, he's not the best ever to do it, but him existing in that space where he thinks he is, and he's asking legitimate questions, and it's had some of the, it had one scene that I will, I don't want to spoil for a lot of people, but I do want to talk about, I don't think I've ever seen anyone talk about mental illness within like the hip hop community. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know Cuddy talks about a lot of stuff, but the character of Gata that is in there watching, finding out why, how he entered and like met Dave, where he had come from and like moving forward with that. And his mentioning of like, I'm just going to have to tell you bipolar like that to me was when it kind of clicked. And I was like, this is a really fucking good show. Mm-hmm. It's funny as shit. You know, it knows what it's doing. It's not trying to pull the wool over everybody's eyes. And I really hope that, like, there is a season two for it, which I think they did announce. I'm pretty sure. But, I think it was a huge success. Yeah. I think, it was and one of the the, thing. I think it's the most watched show on FX this year, if I'm not mistaken. And that, that's crazy because, like, I just never, I would have never known had it not popped up after, you know, just being up there on Hulu. It's like, hey, you might like this too. 
Yeah. I don't know how the algorithm did it, but it did. So, yeah. Number six, Dave. Hell yeah. All right. Uh, my number six is one of the most talked about shows of the year, one of the most popular shows of the year, one of the most streamed shows of the year. It's The Queen's Gambit on Netflix. We've talked about it. People love it. I don't really know what I'm going to contribute to the conversation other than Anya Taylor-Joy is incredible in it. I've always enjoyed her as an actress. Like She's on a great run thus far. It was nice getting to see her like stretch her legs with a long-form project. Scott Frank has always been killer. I love him as a screenwriter. Really, like, I mean, I like The Lookout a lot. I don't particularly remember it as a, like, a visual, like, master class yeah. or anything. But he has definitely matured as a director, like, incredibly so. And he's worked with a lot of incredible directors, so it makes sense. But uh, they really pulled off something special. Obviously, a lot of people seem to agree. And it is just kind of satisfying to see a show that, like, yeah, again, on paper, it's like, Oh, it's shocking that the show about chess is like big or whatever, but just the actual, like what the show is about and what it's dealing with overall. Um, and some, like some of the themes it brings out it, it's way more positive than I think you're, you think going into like a period piece, like drama from the era. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really smart. It's got a lot of like darkly funny moments to it as well. It's just, and it's a crowd pleaser on top of all of that, but it manages to not feel like saccharine or sweet ever. It's just, it's a great balancing act of tone, performance, etc. And of course there's been the natural backlash of like people trying to take it down a peg or two. And I, I'm not sitting here saying it's the best show of the year, but it is my number six. And I think it's pretty great. And again, uh, yeah, one of inarguably one of the most popular shows of the year and overall one of the most well-reviewed as well. Probably the most populous pick, I would say, on my list. Although I think I have one that's even more populous, if you will. Oh, I'm sure. I think you do too, or maybe you don't. I've maybe got a you, few. Maybe you omitted it. I don't know. We'll see. We shall see. Are we cracking the top five? Yeah, we're in the Is top five Is that what we're doing? Now. We are. All right. Top five. Number five. Kick it off. A little HBO Max show called Raised by Wolves. Hell yeah, man. Okay. Not on my list, but I'll tell you where it was. It was number 17. Mm-hmm. Uh Again, another one I love. Great year for TV overall. Yeah. I don't have a lot of like, oh, I really hated this one that you put on your list. Raised by Wolves was a great time. Tell me what you liked about it. Uh, the originality, but also yet oddly Ridley Scottness of it all, if you can call it that. I think I talked about it when we were talking about it on another episode. I loved that I wasn't given a ton of detail as to why we were where we were. But I, I, and I've, it just, it's never dawned on me. It's always been like, Oh, we blow ourselves up or we, um, we fight the machines in Mm -hmm. Terminator and have never, to my knowledge, even like Mad Max, we blow ourselves up and then we become these crazy people. And I don't think if you can find a show that's done it, be my guest, I'll watch it. And it, it does kind of go there with the, the leftovers, um, in a sense. But the idea that religion is going to be the thing that splits us, that like we wholly envelop, and that is the reason for the future we have, that, oh yeah, we conquered the machine thing. We got clones to do stuff. We got androids to do whatever. You know, we got all that. We got facial re- reconstructive surgery from a, a droid that, in like less than five hours. We got all this crazy shit. 
to have the big catalyst for why the characters are where they are in the huge chunk of the backstory, that Mithraic versus atheist Earth, I want to live there for a little bit longer just to see what led up to it. And then, of course, I want to get a season two and like, where do we go from here? Because obviously we find out a lot of stuff which we can spoil later, but I just think as far as I'm concerned, as far as I know, I haven't read anything. That's a completely original thing. That's no book. Yes, and that that I, is the beauty of it even more. That's the thing I really responded to, as well. Which is it had again the aesthetic, the Ridley Scott aesthetic that we associate with the Aliens franchise mm-hmm. in particular, and a lot of like Prometheus iconography. Right. So it had that to kind of hang its hat on, but mm-hmm. then the world building is all this new thing, this a hundred percent new thing, and it was refreshing coming to this and being like. This is not some pre-existing property. This is not a right. book series they're adapting. They're making this up as they go. They have this world laid out in their right. heads. They're slowly revealing it to us. But it's not... You're not missing out on anything. You know what right. I mean? I liked that, like, oh, I don't feel, you know, out of the loop where it's like... I love Game of Thrones, the majority of it. But there was always that layer of, like, then I'd talk to Barum about it, and he'd be like, well, yeah, dude, but then there's this, this, and this other, like, Tavares ten things goes that to you, North did, Thort and that does you with, didn't know yeah. about at all that totally informed that stuff. And I'm like, well, shit, I feel like, you, like you're getting this whole other, like, layer out of it, and I'm, like, missing out by not reading the books and engaging with, like, the source material. So, in yeah, in this day and age, it was, like, and we talked about it at the time, the only person who could do, like brand new IP sci-fi IP like this on this scale on television it has to be somebody like Ridley Scott coming into the space and being like Neil Blomkamp hey this is what dude he's got apparently he shot a movie during quarantine so very interested but he's been out of I mean he's been making shorts and stuff endlessly but he's been out of the like big landscape space for a while so i'm i'm looking forward to whatever he did yeah i just don't think that like elysium and um all that but are are existing properties beforehand so i believe he could do the same thing i think he could do the same thing but i also but you can put your money on ridley scott that's what i was he's proven he is not yeah bomb camp would never be given this this property and this level of like creative control and again i don't know how much but like Ridley Scott's son directed some episodes mm-hmm. as well. Like I think he was heavily involved in the production top to bottom, and we. I mean, one of the best parts of Prometheus and Alien Covenant, which I did not enjoy as much, is still Fassbender and the whole like android mm-hmm. personality, essentially. Yeah, and getting to like really delve into that. Dude, such such interesting performances, and I, it's like I give you. A, I feel like underrated because of it. Be, because, yeah, because the, the yeah. tiny tiny spoiler, when the father is not father anymore, mm-hmm. that is some of the most heartbreaking shit. But Absolutely. also like completely, just I don't think people get credit for that. You know, I don't think actors get credit for being able because, to be this person, turning ge- it to this. Because and it's then, genre right. and everything, a lot of times, yeah, I feel like it gets overlooked, but just incredible performances. Yeah. From, and, and from the child the, actors oh, dude, as the well. Oh, the children are, All are fucking kids, great on really that show. Um, I had no prior familiarity with Travis Fimmel. I thought he was great in it. I know Mom loves him on Vikings. Did we get her on Raised by Wolves? 
I think she said she was going to start She did. It. I think she did start it. I don't know if she's finished it. We'll have to ask her. Because that was one of the ones from our previous conversations where she was like, what's the atheist versus religion yes, yeah, sci-fi yeah. show? And I was like, raised by wolves. Well, yep. Go check it out. Uh, but yeah, again, another one I wholly endorse. I'm glad it's on your list. Yeah. 100%. Uh, and have, I don't think we have confirmation on a season two. I got to imagine the numbers were pretty solid. This is a straight up HBO Max original, right. correct? You're not this was not even it, yeah. available on mainline nope. HBO. And I don't I don't know that it was the draw they wanted it to be for like new subscribers with like a flagship thing, but I saw a lot of ads for this on social media. It mm-hmm. had a presence as it was coming out and they did the thing that I don't know was strictly a product of this year or is going to be the norm going forward for some stuff. But they notably dropped those first three yeah. episodes out of the gate, which is what hooked me in. Mm-hmm. That pilot, oh yeah, dude, is maybe the pilot of the year. Yeah, uh, one. Of, I mean, I put it in my best pilots of the last like ten years or so. Mm-hmm. It would be up there because it is a full-on Ridley Scott sci-fi movie, and goes for broke in the first episode in such a way where you're like. What's this show gonna be? And that's right. so exciting. Mm-hmm. And to every the... little mini cliffhanger they gave you, because they gave us three, then they gave us two, then they gave us two more, mm-hmm. and they just the way they doled out and the way it was constructed, where it was like you got these little mini cliffhangers, or sometimes just take a moment to breathe, like contemplate this sort of endings to episodes when they knew they had another one paired up with it. Right. But then it would bleed into one that ends on a like, holy shit, I got to see what happens next week. Mm -hmm. And another one that really messed with the format. Some of those episodes were like 45 minutes long. Exactly. Some of them were like an hour and 15. You know, they were, they were all over the place. They were as long as they needed to be. Mm -hmm. And I, I had a great time with the season Obviously, seems like it's a pretty expensive show to make, uh, but I hope we get a season two. I hope enough people watched it, and I think we'll get into this on our movies episode, but given the recent Warner Brothers hoopla, all of that stuff. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. I, lo- I love that you don't read like anything I don't. whatsoever. I d- I Can just, I drop this on you right now? Drop it on me, brother. I was going to save it for our movies episode, but it's going to be another week. Uh, maybe it'll get spoiled for you. So every major Warner Brothers theatrical release mm-hmm. for 2020, or 2021 rather, excuse me, is going to be day and date in theaters and on HBO Max. Oh, okay. So, I mean, I knew Wonder Woman, but that's been extended to the next year, basically. Wonder Woman comes out at Christmas Day. Right. But we're talking Suicide Squad. Oh, dude, don't even, uh, don't even fucking um, get me started on Suicide Squad. Kong versus uh, Godzilla. What? Uh, there's a whole other slate. I could find you the list somewhere. So there's a lot of people pissed off. There's a lot of people freaking out right now. But that is what's happening. 2021 on HBO Max. It seemed like it was a huge push for them where they were like, we didn't have the rollout we necessarily wanted. We need a big play, a huge play. We don't know what theatrical distribution is going to look like next year. Let's strike a deal day and date on our service. And I think that's going to bring a lot of people in. I mm-hmm. really do. So when they get there and they need some like, what else did I stick around here for? And they have a few of these originals built up. Raised by Wolves, once you have somebody through the door, oh yeah, is a good one to hook them in. And I do feel like a lot of people who early on were like, 
oh, what's this HBO Max? I I saw like one trailer for this beforehand on like my Facebook scroll, mm-hmm. and I didn't I didn't realize it was Ridley Scott. I didn't really pay attention to it at all. I just saw the HBO Max thing. I was like, oh, okay, this is some new sci-fi show. I didn't really like make the connection. And it wasn't until it just popped up on my app, and it was like first three episodes available now. Mm-hmm. Ridley Scott directs the first two. Hey, you want to check this out? I was like, oh uh, yeah, yeah, I want to watch this right now. And it, I rewatched Prometheus. I did the Alien series during yeah. October. I like mean, it totally to me, got me reinvigorated into all of that. To me, that space. I get the draw of the Warner Brothers, but if you aren't paying for Max just to watch that. Fresh Prince reunion? Why? What are you doing? What are you yeah. doing with you? So what are you doing with you like that? On your list? I don't. It's a. It, I don't. I can't put that in. It's a. It's an event. Like I put that up there with like the Last Dance and stuff like that as like a TV event, like a reason to. We can talk about that at the end of the end of the episode. But okay. Yeah. So number five, Raised by Wolves. Go download HBO Max. They aren't a sponsor, but you should throw them money so we can get a season two. Yeah. My number five is from Hulu. It's a Hulu original, mm-hmm. not FX on Hulu, just straight up Hulu. Mm-hmm. That's Sally Rooney's Normal People, uh, adapted from her novel. Stars Miss Daisy Edgar Jones and Paul Mezcal, and they're they're a pair of lovers who meet in high school, uh, in Ireland, and just kind of fall in and out of each other's lives over the course of several years. The the series I think is. It is a full 10, or no, excuse me, 12 episodes. No. And uh, another one that kind of messes around with the format. Most of them are like under a half hour. But it's just kind of their their love story. Over, I don't really want to spoil the dynamics of of it, except they meet in high school under interesting circumstances. And things are just played out long form. It's the closest thing to like a Linklater series, basically. That's part of why I love it. It's essentially before midnight or before sunrise, sunset, etc. It's essentially all of those kind of rolled into one long-form series. It's about young love. It is steamy. Steamy. Did the some of the most realistic and like genuinely like sexy sex scenes, uh, probably in the history of television on this show. Uh, definitely goes for it. Huge discovery though is Paul Mezcal as uh, Connell, hmm. uh, the kind of lead male protagonist. Everybody's great in this show, but he was kind of. I was like, I've never seen this guy in anything, and now I will watch anything he does. Basically, just one of those like star making performances, hundred hmm. percent. Uh, but yeah, if you're in the mood for like a a real like good solid love story that will like rip your heart out in parts but like gives you hope in others like it it's it's so good so good really and one that i you know i recommend to all people but i definitely will say if you you know if you've had moments like this in your life some of the things that are depicted in the show it's just gonna hit you in a slightly different way and not everybody's gonna like connect with it on that like deeper deeper level but if you do um, it's it's a really rewarding experience. It's so good. I think you will enjoy it, brother. Uh, okay. That's Normal People, and it's available on Hulu. That's my number five. All right. Your number four, sir. My number four is The Boys Season 2. Boys Season 2, also just outside of my list, but it is on the list at 
the 15 slot. That's like five outside of your list. That's not really that right outside. If you told me it was number 12, then yeah, that's right outside your list. My number 12, for the record, is I Know This Much Is True, the uh, HBO ha, series. Ha, 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 ha. I'm sorry. The Spandau Ballet documentary. Yeah, Yeah, we know. Um, that is Spandau Ballet. Right? Yeah, it is Spandau Ballet. You're right. Um anyway. Cheek to cheek. What is it? Right I should, on me, dude. What's uh, your number four? The boys. Oh, boys did too. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. I just it said it. Really I good. just said it. Um, Amazon is, and you know, you know what they have that no other network has balls. They got balls, but also just the most violent shows. Yes, on the planet. Oh my dude. god, yes. Um, between this, Too Old to Die Young, and Zero Zero Zero, Utopia. Which Utopia, didn't make which my I list. haven't even watched. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm running back through the British version, by the way, and that's why I had to take Utopia off my top ten. It because really, you, it really is probably one that, of the best like, shows that's been made in the past Oh my like, god, dude, I'm so excited to start it. I had to finish uh, a show that we still have not been able to say the name of yet uh, last night, but Utopia. Now I'm freed up for the year, baby. Dude. It's, it's Utopia season. Finally okay. going to watch it. I'm so excited. I'm going to start it tonight after you leave. I recommend... Just because, I recommend I'm gonna you want to like binge the whole dude, thing. Just watch <laughs> because because just watch the the Cusack version, the new one, just to see how good the British one gets it because it's know, so much better. I already know that it will be superior. Why would no no? I don't. You got to no. give yourself that treat. I'm going the other way, and you and I will meet in the middle, brother. Okay. We'll have the opposite experience. I've got like three of the original left because I had to stop to, to do some catching up on something. Um, but The Boys Season 2 is yes. brutally violent. Yes. Probably one of the most violent shows that and plays like a comedy. Yes. That's the beauty of it. It's also one of the funniest shows yes. out there. And the first season, which I thoroughly enjoyed... It was definitely like, we're going to get your attention, and we're going to keep your attention. This is one of the most shocking shows there is, period. We're mm-hmm. just going to keep upping the ante. They continue to do that in season two. Mm-hmm. But the storyline, whether planned, so I'm, and I know it's based on the source material of the comics, and I know parts of this are taken directly from it. Some of them are embellished. Some of them are changed a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh but I was just like, so weird that in in the this whole year, the most relevant and prescient show that feels like it was made for this moment is the fucking Boys season two. Yeah, it was just so surprising to me how many things it hit on. Mm-hmm. Homelander continues to be, dude. That is the most underrated performance on television. He should be Emmy nominated. He should have been for the first season. I don't know how their award season works out. He should be for this. Anthony Starr as Homelander yes. is incredible. Just one of my favorite actors to watch. Yeah, right. Now. I I really want to talk up spoilers for this show with you. We can so save let's please move. To, let's move to we five year five because there's the so much shit two. I want to talk okay, to you about. If this you show. Want, if you want to hear spoilers for the boys, which probably you've watched at this point. Yeah, if you haven't, but you should we will just save stop those for the end of the episode. Yeah, uh, great stuff. Great stuff. Yeah. Give me your number four. My number four is 
on Hulu, also a Hulu original. It's Pen15. Hmm, what's that about? Pen15 comes from Maya Erskine and Anna Conkle. Mm-hmm. And I still, as of the recording of this, have not looked up what age they actually are. Mm-hmm. But these young women, who I believe are in their like mid to late 20s, I'm not sure. They might be early 30s. I, I, I do not want to talk about these ladies' age right now. Because I don't know, and I don't want to speak out of turn. But they are playing themselves in 7th grade in the year 2000. Okay? So they're playing middle school versions of themselves, not not named the same characters. They are still Maya and Anna, but they have different last names. They have fictional parents, etc. Mm-hmm. But it's it's their experience in middle school, and all of the kids around them are age appropriate. So there's natural comedy that comes from that, just for like, okay, we got to have these characters make out or something, right? How do we shoot that because this is not like legal Mm. for instance uh it's one of the funniest things i've seen in a long time hits me in all the feels the only thing i can even begin to compare it to emotionally speaking and just how strongly i feel about the show it's the most freaks and geeks thing since freaks and geeks Hmm. and it is at the same time completely its own show and has established its own voice its own tone uh it's just great. It's these two, they're, they're not out. I, I mean, they are outcast, if you will, but it's like, they are best friends. They're quirky. They're weird. Nobody fully gets them. They're trying to adjust to, you know, they want to be cool. They want to be hip, etc. Um, and it's just constantly a struggle, just living life in middle school and how serious everything is taken. And the show takes on the tone of that. But by the second season, which we binged one and two back to back, honestly, just in the last couple weeks. Season two, which is three episodes shorter than the first one, but pound for pound, like, even better than the first season. Really, like, starts to hammer home, like, I really just, like, care about these characters. Mm-hmm. And I want to, like, see them do well. And, like, when they go through trials and tribulations, I'm, like, super invested and yeah, I just, I love these characters. I love the world and the style that it's built. I don't want to ruin the surprises of the comedy and like how genius the concept is when you see it actually played out. But I encourage anybody, particularly anybody who was in middle school in any era of the early 2000s, uh, yeah, check it out. It will hit home for you. And then you'll probably find some deeper layers within there. Great <laughs> show. Pen fifteen, uh, season two, is my is my pick. Okay, that's my number four. Yes, sir. My number three is a little show called Gangs of London. Oh, we can take it off the table. This was my number nine. Okay, just finished it last night. We gotta talk spoilers, so we'll save it. Here's what we can say about it. Uh, I feel like I'm hijacking every one of your picks. No, go I'm for a, it. No, dude, go ahead. No. I don't. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, it basically, it's everything that you said it was when you told me to go watch it. The dude that made The Raid made a show about British Gareth gangsters. Yeah. Go watch it. He made The Raid in a Star Wars movie. Go watch no, it. No, different people. Different I thought people. he was the same guy that made the... You're thinking of Gareth Edwards, I believe. Oh. Who did Godzilla. Oh. 
This and is Gareth Evans. Evans Edwards. GE, man. It's every time. GE yeah. owns everything. Like you said before, as a joke. Um, sorry, my bad. Yeah, he, he made the raid. Because of Gangs of London, presumably, if you type in Gareth on IMDb, Evans does outrank him now. For okay. a while it was Edwards, okay. but Evans has appropriately overtaken him. But yes, to be particular, Gareth Evans did the raid me... the raid to Berendal, uh segments of VHS, and we had... Oh, and Apostle, dude, with your yeah. boy. yeah. One of our me, favorite directors just, around. Let these me just parts, let me I'm paint this. Pic, I'm going to paint this picture for you, and then we can go on into your number three. So, in a year where I have basically had the underworld of London's gangsters thrust upon me, where I get the Long Good Friday, and then I go and watch that Tom Hardy one about those real life gangsters. You come to me at the end of the, the year. Tom Hardy. He plays the two brothers. They were oh, big. Oh, Legend. The legend. Cray Brothers. Yeah, the Cray Brothers. I was like, Capone? No, not the yeah, yeah, struggling Capone? to remember no. Capone? No. Um, so I have that. I find the, the legend on my own. And at the last minute of this year, you're like, yo, there's a... <laughs> oh, there, by the way. There's a, there's, oh, one more thing. <laughs> there's a, a, a British gangster TV show that was like made for AMC, but they can't fucking air it on that network. Oh, and by the way, not. the guy who made The Raid did it. You should check it out. I was like, okay, whatever. To be clear, this is Sky, who we mentioned before, right. Sky Productions, and the B- and a BBC co-production oh my God. that AMC bought the American distribution rights to, and it's only on AMC TV Plus because they cannot air this show on cable here. It can air in England no exactly yeah. as presented, right. but it cannot air here. It no. is far too brutal yes um and again this is not part of prime we watch it on prime right through amc yeah but again if you're if you're an action fan i feel like that's where you gotta be is over on the 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 prime tip with what if you know plot what if evans does john wick four could you imagine come on i don't know dude I think but he, that's that's fucking Chad Stahelski's baby, dude. You can't true. take that away from yeah. him. Yeah. Maybe he, like, if they co-directed, that would be awesome. I mean, that, that seems to be, be cool. the trend, right? Everybody's doing it these days. Anyway, that's what I had to go into was, oh, yeah, the guy who made the raid made... The guy the, who reinvented the modern action Right. Movie. He yes. made a show about British gangsters. That thing I've been, like, feeding you all year, Gav. So go check it out. And I did, and it was fucking amazing. And we'll talk spoilers about it when we get done with this top ten list. We will. Uh, it's great. It's so great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Give me your third. My number three. Yeah, now Gavin just is literally like, let's finish let's this. Let's get this so shit over with. London. My number three is also from a Brit. Good old Alex Garland. Table. Oh, I'm so glad it's on the table, Table. Man. I love you so much. My number two... Is a little show called Lovecraft Country. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. We talked about it a little bit. We throughout. talked about it quite a bit. Quite we, a bit. Uh, we vaguely we, recapped we, season we, one. We pieced it in and there and yeah. whatnot. It's my number 22 okay. of the year. That makes sense. If it matters to I, you. You know, I, all in all, I made this year, just because it was a fucking bad shit, dog shit, crazy year, I made pretty much once this came out, it was going to be the Lovecraft year. Um, I definitely want to read the novel, and I 
don't think that it's I don't see where you go for a season two. I have no idea. I don't really. I mean, it's not that I don't care if I get one. I enjoyed what I got completely. Maybe you do like a max original. Give me like a one hour, one and a half hour, like wrap up of like where we ended. I don't know what there is to wrap up though. Right. That's the thing. You know, I don't know what you do with it, but I enjoyed it for what it was. I thought it was the seat, the effect, everything we've talked about before, dude. We talked about it on previous episodes, but to me, if you're going to do anything, the thing you do is you Lindel off it. Yes. Like he did with the leftovers. And it's like, okay, we pretty much adapted the source material straight up first season with some embellishments here and there. Mm hmm. And now we're going to take it off in our own trajectory and do what we want with it. Right. Um, And I think that could really work. Um, The show's already, again, like one of the wildest things on television. Yeah. Just doing stuff that nobody else is doing. Extremely just like thought-provoking in a lot of different ways. And satisfying sci-fi horror at the same time. Uh, Not all of it worked for me, but we talked about it. When this show is firing on all cylinders... It's something really, really special. I mean, if you want to bring it back and make it a horror anthology through this lens of, like, Lovecraft and, you know, what they've done for the, the 50s and Jim Crow and for the 60s and 70s and 80s and make that a, a yearly thing, a thing, I don't yeah. see why that's a problem at all. I'm dig it. And do like you said. Yeah. Completely make up think, your own shit for the next season. That's fine. I'm fine with that. I'd watch from it. From what I remember seeing around the time... Um, Pretty huge hit ratings wise, so yeah. I I think we will get us, but we haven't had an announcement yet. And again, I don't know how much of the delay in them announcing this sort of stuff is due to, you know, COVID and what's going to happen with production. But a lot of stuff is, you know, working right now. Yeah, no, my friend. I mean, tell you the other day, like my, summer of next year. My friend who was working on the OC show that what they did up here, she actually moved back here, and they've been they've Outer been Banks. Built, sorry, OC Outer Banks. It's it's like the OC, but on the Outer Banks. I don't know. I, know I didn't it watch is. it. I I'm feel bad saying, to say that. I didn't watch it. It's I a Netflix show. What? I said I haven't watched it. Okay, either, good. But yeah. I know what it's called. Yeah, so but she know. moved. She finally just made the move down here. She was staying with a, a relative and working, and now she's just like, I moved. I'm here. I'm going to be able to work here for a while. So that was that was good to hear. Cool. Anyway, give me your number two, Brother Bear. My number two, uh, you omitted from your list. Uh, I thought about taking it off of mine altogether, and... Again, if I would have done that, then things would have shifted up and Plot Against America would have been my number 10, just to refresh everybody's memory. Uh, My number two is The Last Dance. Okay. As you mentioned, a true event. And the reason it's this high on my list, there was nothing I was more excited to sit down and watch when there was new episodes of it available than this show. Mm-hmm. It was truly an event. There was so much coverage and like think pieces online about it afterwards, podcasts talking about it. Sports it radio like, talk after it. It Noah. felt like even in the midst of lockdown and everybody adjusting to a new way of life, like kind of across the board, the one that it was like this outlier where it's like, but everybody kind of stopped what the hell they were doing mm-hmm. for five weeks and we all experienced the last dance together. And again, I just would sit there, wait for him to drop on ESPN Plus, had to watch the unrated versions. And I would, they dropped two at a time, of course. And I had to like dole them out through my week because I would finish one and it would be like, oh my God, how can I not do the next hour? But I was like, dude, but if you do, you got to wait a full seven days before you can watch another episode. And... It just, again, my excitement level for something that I 
lived through but had no knowledge of while it was happening. I knew Michael Jordan, the figure, but I don't think I ever sat and watched a Bulls game when I was a kid. I saw Space Jam in the theater, opening weekend, Mm -hmm. Japan, Yokota Air Force Base. Gavin couldn't go because he got in trouble for something, and he was super pissed. Yeah, it wasn't the D on what it, you did. It wasn't the D on my report card. It's because apparently I said fuck. Oh, okay. Yeah, which was bullshit because I really didn't. I didn't know <laughs> what that word was at that age, but I didn't. Gavin said fuck. It was not allowed to go to space. Or no, no, I. I got in trouble for saying fuck, but the reason I couldn't see Space Jam was my D on my report card. That's what it is. I remember that. Double punishment. Yeah. Japan's becoming one big ball, but I can still pull some stuff out of there every now and then to give you some details. <laughs> gotcha. I, uh, I appreciate this for, in the context of what it means for us, but also for that sport. Because you have to realize, I, I forget. It's sad to say I forget. Two days before my birthday, Kobe Bryant is killed in a plane crash. In May, April, May, this show comes out. And then later in the year, LeBron James and the Lakers win the national championship. Doesn't matter that it's in a bubble. Doesn't matter that it's all combined. Like they're all down there. It's a short year, whatever. Mm-hmm. You have a huge tragedy around an, an amazing person and a, good, a, a great ambassador for that sport, that game. And I feel like everybody's kind of like, you, you've lost, you don't have sports. All of a sudden, they're all gone. Right. You know, th- our, our men's basketball team may have been able to go and make a championship run. Who knows? We, we never got to play an NCAA AA tournament. Then you have this thing come out that's an event. And I think it does a lot to remind people that, yes, you know, this death is fresh in everybody's mind. What are we going to do? But it reminds us all of that nostalgia of like, why, even though there's been the NBA uh, referee scandals, because why over like arguing about who gets paid what and teams moving where and trade deadlines and all this, why do we still go back and watch it? Well, there was a guy here at this point in time that transcended all of that, everything, put a city, a town, a people, everyone on his back and did something incredible. Like LeBron James still has to win three more, if I'm not mistaken, three, two or three more to tie him, you I know? Think so. And it's just one of those things that's like that comes out. And again, it was planned. And obviously right. no one saw that tragedy happen in, in January. Mm-hmm. And then to cap it off at the end of the year with the Lakers winning again and, you know, the talk now of like, well, what can they do from here? I just think the last dance, as sad as it is to say, it comes in in like a nice time and just allows you to still kind of like grieve, but also remember why you love basketball and it's this event and you're ta- it's water cool. Like I said, they're talking about on sports broadcast shows. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was lack of content because there weren't sports at the time, but listening to people talk about that and having guests on who knew some of the people that were in the dock, I look at that, same like way I did with the Fresh Print thing, as an event. And so that's, I mean, it would have been on my list. Again, it is a show. It's episodes. It's six of them. I, that, to me, constitutes a TV show. It's ten episodes. Ten episodes? Why did I think it was six? I don't know. I'm thinking the OJ thing. Maybe the OJ thing was six. Six parts. Yeah. Right. That's like seven and a half hours long. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, that I, I just, as sad as it is, it does kind of come in at like the right time. And I think it also captured 
you know, again, the right time because nobody can go do sports. Yeah, it just captured it's everybody's perfect. attention at the perfect yeah. time. And on top of that, it's like not only did we get it, and I remember, I remember seeing trailers for this like last year. They were teasing like Jordan Doc, and still not even realizing what the last dance was. The whole structure of like this is you know what was conceived. You know, this is the last dance with Phil Jackson, the last time this team is all together, mm-hmm. last time before it all, you know, gets split up. And telling that narrative while we jump back, you know, telling that season narrative while we're constantly jumping back to these previous championships and these just fantastic stories, just crazy behind the scenes access that you've never seen of all of these guys. And again, a level of detail about him as an individual. So much of which is communicated not through what he's saying, but what he's not saying and how he's not saying it mm-hmm. and just trying to read his emotions, etc. Oh, yeah. And he's also very straightforward with a lot of other stuff where you're like, oh shit, like he's, he's still got this even all these years on, you know, he just sits in the dark and thinks about this shit sometimes. Like some of this stuff still eats away at him um, for good and for good and ill, but uh, just fascinating. Did I just tell you great about stuff top to bottom? <laughs> did I tell you about the the thing about Kobe's funeral thing about that? He openly talked about like he told yeah, his wife I he wasn't going to cry or whatever. On, I, on okay, podcast, I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't believe. I don't remember if I did or not. It's been a fucking crazy year, bro. Oh, I know. Since we know <laughs> what my number one is, do you want to give me your number one, or do you want me to give you my number one and then we'll go? I'd be glad to do it either way, man. What do you want to do? Why don't you go ahead and give me your number one? My number one is I May Destroy You. Hmm. It's on HBO. Uh, It it was a stone cold 10 out of 10 the second I watched it. I was like, there is no way anything else from this year will touch this. And it hasn't. It's one of the most singular pieces of television I've seen. It's one of the best shows of all time. Instant classic, basically. I feel like it was a tough sell for a lot of people who saw just the like early trailers or got just a log line because they were told this is about a girl dealing with the aftermath of a sexual assault. That's pretty much it. Okay. The show is so much more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the starting point. Um, but it, it is, it is the most now show, not in, we're addressing what's going on in 2020, but more we're addressing the state of like culture and the world at large, where we're at collectively mm-hmm. as humanity. Um, not even specified for like, you know, COVID, what all of that means, but kind of the pre-era of that. Mm-hmm. All these conversations we've been having over the last several years and Me Too and, you know, questions about consent and what's appropriate behavior what's an acceptable apology all of this different stuff um the dynamics of dating in like the digital age all of all of that uh wrapped up in what does social media do to people's psyches all it's all there like literally every like hot button issue if you will every like you know big hot topic for the last several years is all in here somewhere and it's all just like perfectly explored in these little it's one of the it's a half hour show it's a half hour show it's 10 episodes or maybe 12 maybe 12 I can't remember now 
And every one of them is an absolute knockout. I referred to it when I talked to you about it previously. It is the anti-binge show. I would never recommend to anybody to watch all of these episodes right on top of each other. It's an, That would be way too emotionally taxing. Hmm. And you would also miss some of the brilliance of the show, which is it would end every week when I was watching it. And I needed a full 15 to 20 minutes to really come to terms with what I just watched. And I don't know if that's a huge recommend for a lot of people or something that would scare you off. But I was consistently just floored by its approach, the themes it was, the taboos it was willing to like tap into, the stuff that's just like, I can't believe there's a show that is able to talk about all of this and talk about it so honestly at the same time. And it, it doesn't hold your hand. It's not, you know, it, there's, there's stuff that will make you like question like, oh, I thought I loved this character who is this person all of a sudden there's mm-hmm. there's wild shifts like that there's inc- incredible like narrative flourishes flashbacks just delay i i don't want to ruin all of the surprises the show has in store for you but i do want to say michaela cole who is responsible for pretty much all of the creative aspects of the show and stars in it as the lead character arabella um it's the performance of the year period. It's one of those that like transcends movies or TV. It's just, it's the best performance I've seen this year. And then when you put on top of it, that like she wrote and like developed this whole thing and it is so deeply tied to her own personal story, but also purposefully not her at the same time. Cause mm-hmm. it allows her to explore a lot of other stuff. Um, anybody who's scared off by the heaviness of that plot description or the, the tone, it's also one of, the most darkly funny and like well-written shows I've seen and just is about characters, people's people's about characters, people and places that you just don't see on television that often. And the other biggest compliment I can give it is every single week when I sat down to watch it, I did not know what I was going to get. I didn't know where this show was going to go at any given moment. And it always kept me guessing. It always kept me invested. And it rounded out into having, um, I talked about, what did I say was like the best pilot of the year? Raised by Wolves, possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the best finale hmm. um, I saw all year, period. Just what a what a way to end the show. Hmm. I cannot recommend it more highly. It's the one of the best things I've seen, period, in a very long time. It's I May Destroy You. It's on HBO. I, I don't think this show will ever get a season two. I don't know if it was intended to, but I also think it could come back for a season two and I would be just as excited to see where it goes from there. Hmm. But, uh, but it doesn't need to at all. It can stand as a singular uh, one season piece of incredible. Again, you almost want to put entertainment in quotes because I, I will warn you it's, it's got some heavy shit in it, but it is well worth your time. And it's the best thing I saw all year. So I may destroy you on hmm. HBO. Go check it out, please, brother, and everybody else on my friend list that actually does listen to this podcast that I have texted about it incessantly for, like, the back half of this year. It's the best thing. It's my number one. I Please, go watch it if you haven't already. Okay. Well, I think I will have to. You are number one. Did you, did you realize that I had watched this when I talked to you at Thanksgiving? Not at all. Okay, you missed that line then. 
What did you say to me? I said, Noah, I did find out that the, the V is a, a Roman U. It's a little inside joke. I said that to you. <laughs> I totally And you just, you, you were blanking on me all day. I was like, I thought he would get it because like I wanted to tell you I'd watched it. You got to also remember I watched Devs as it was coming out. Right. And it has been six or seven months. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I wanted to tell you I'd watched Devs, but I was like, no, I'm going to wait. And then when I kind of, when you didn't say anything, I was like, I don't think he heard me. I don't think he knew what I was talking about. I'm not going to say anything. And then that was it. Because I wanted to like tell you that you said all that shit you just said about that show, about Debs, before you watched your number one. And I was like, Noah seems to like this shit. Let me see what it's all about. That's what I watched. And then Dave popped up. When I finished it, Dave was underneath. Debs and Dave, baby. Because. They were running concurrently. That's probably why. And I guarantee you there's some people that got confused and were like, wait, what? Yeah. Um, I, I don't, why do, is there a fund that Alex Garland can just (laughs) dip into? Can I just give him my dollars, my pennies, my, my nickels? Because that man was an author. He only wrote books. And then he met Danny Boyle. Yeah. And... I mean, and, what did and, you think of Annihilation? And sorry, quietly transitioned into being a better director than Danny Boyle. Shh, no one say, no one speak, no one speak, no one speak. Yes, a hundred percent. He's only through. No, he's not even three movies deep. No, I want to keep thinking of Devs as a movie, but it's yeah, not. no, it's not. It's uh, amazing television. Here, uh, Annihilation is long overdue for a rewatch. I saw it in the theater. Mm-hmm. Did not fully connect with it. Right. on Again, on paper, I adore Ex Machina. Saw it in the theater. Natalie Portman is one of my five favorite actresses of all time. Um, I was excited to go see this. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was expectations missing what I actually got or, or what. But I, I remember feeling at the time... I got it, but I didn't connect with it. Was there something I was not getting? Because I felt like I got it. And I have not reapproached it. I know people love it. It's good. I like a lot. I like a lot about it, but it didn't hit me the way I was expecting it to. But regardless, I was super excited when I heard, wait, he's got, they're giving him the Winding Refn, the Lynch Treatment. He gets to he gets carte blanche with Kate Blanchett with the budget. Yeah, he can do whatever he wants. Yeah, what's he gonna do? Nick Offerman's in this show. Yeah, Nick Offerman's in this show. What's up with his hair? What's going on? Yeah, that's pretty much all I all I had on the table about it going into it, mm-hmm. and I was just like, oh, and dude who is married to Zoe Kravitz. What is his name? We start the series out with him. Oh wait a minute, God. the guy who's married to... Wait, which one are you talking about? I, I, dude, again, seven months since I saw it. Oh. Still my number three. But, yeah, um, no, good good, good oh. way to hang around. Because I thought this came out... I didn't realize it came out seven months ago. I thought it came oh out gosh. like early, like first of the year. Like January, February. Carl Glusman. Sergey. He's Sergey in the show. Oh. That's Zoe Kravitz's husband, yes. Oh. Okay. Um, That... I... He was in the promotional material, as was Nick Offerman and Allison Lohman. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so that's I was like, 
okay, interesting mix of actors. I'm interested. This looks quasi-futuristic, Silicon Valley, very vague about what it's actually about. Okay, I'm going to give this a shot. Mm -hmm. And just talk about a rabbit hole of a mystery that you just, like, the more you come to understand about it, you're like, that's what this show is about? Yeah. That's what this yes, show exactly. is about? Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I, I, I don't even want to spoil too no, much we for won't, people No, we won't spoil too many things. I just... Other than it concerns a Silicon Valley figure, a, a Zuckerberg, Steve Jobs-esque figure who is... You know what's really crazy? On... God. Whenever I think of this, for some reason, this is just where how fucked up my brain is. When I think of this figure, I think Tim Robbins and antitrust. I don't know <laughs> why, you go to but Tim I Robbins just think antitrust. of that. Like, which is a veiled Bill Gates yes, slash Steve Jobs exactly. amalgam That's if what he it was is. villainous. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So when I think of that, for some have reason, you, sorry, every, every time note. people do that, I'm like, have you, That's just Tim have you listened to the We Hate Movies on Antitrust? No, I haven't. Classic app. Okay, I have to Classic listen to that. App. Yeah. Because I have that DVD. It's in that book of stuff I'm going to bring you. you have that DVD. Yeah. I remember that. Mm-hmm. From the stack. Claire Forlani. <sighs> Ryan Felipe. Yeah. And Tim Robbins, and obviously. Tim Robbins. Yeah. The um, classic antitrust. Dude, where was that in 2 by 2 retro reviews, baby? I don't know. I, I, did, I just it's found it. It's always that 2021. We can keep it going. But I... We'll Where do that antitrust show? and Pirates of Silicon Valley, right? Don't just makes sense. Yeah, right. Maybe itself. maybe antitrust in the net makes more sense. Yeah, it's like antitrust was like the skulls, but it's the internet but with computers. But the skulls computers. with computers, right? Exactly. That's skulls is way better. Yeah, but it, let's do skulls and antitrust. We should two by two. I'm not even kidding. January first, let's do it. We'll record it before then. January first is reserved for we can be heroes. Rodriguez revisited episode number fifteen or sixteen. Okay, like that. Yeah, sure. Do we can do it after? Okay, do it after. Do it Remember that one. My birthday. What did we say? Antitrust in the skulls. <laughs> in the skulls. Okay, that is a good pairing, dude. That's mm-hmm. a double feature. Yeah, you got all the late nineties heartthrobs in there. You got Ryan Felipe. You got Josh Jackson. You got fucking Paul Walker. Noah. Yeah. And of course, <laughs> good old William Peterson. Yeah. You got Bill Peterson. You got no, no complaints. complaints. Dude, okay. <laughs> every time Felice Navidad plays at work, I walk out of I my office. Shirt, dude. I no, really want I shirt. walk out of my office and I just say aloud to whoever hears me, I mean, you got Jose Feliciano, you got no complaints. And I keep walking. And like the last two times, Pearl, my senior teller, asked me, what are you talking about? I was like, it's a joke my brother says about a movie. And then I did it today and the new teller, Tyler, was like, what do you say? I was like... I, it's a it's a joke that I'm saying out loud for no it's one the, to hear. But my it's my own little personal joke I say to myself. Something the, my brother said. It's like the best line delivery in all yeah. of Fargo, which is just right. full of great line deliveries. Yeah. By the way, we hate movies as we love movies for this month for December, as they always are. And Fargo was the second movie they did. Okay, Citizen Kane was the first one. Great run over there. Of course this has is. been Noah talks about a more successful podcast that he loves, <laughs> that he wishes more people listen to, but yeah. a lot of people already do. Um, <laughs> we will, we can go into more spoilers with devs, but it, it was a, by far, of Absol- all the I things you've recommended to a me, little bit. Excuse of me. all the things you recommended me this year, this is, I mean, this is like the TV equivalent of the Long Good Friday for me, except it was new and not old. And like, I the, watched this it. is Gavin's too old to die young. 
I mean, I really like Too Old to Die Young. I know, but this is yours. Like, the, you had it at number one. Right. I'm just saying, clearly, like, I think you liked it even more than I did. And I oh, gave it course. a 10 out of 10. But I'm saying, this is, like, one of your boys. Like, you've been following this guy's entire career, and this is him. I mean, does anybody have a copy of the book, The Beach? That's what I'm saying. Like, does anybody have a copy of The Tesseract? The, the Tesseract, the book? Because I do. Does. I do. Yeah. Now, yeah. I haven't seen that terrible movie that I don't think he had anything to do with. with I don't think he did either. What's his? Uh, Jonathan Reese myers Yeah. Haven't seen it either. Me neither. Um, Why is that in my brain? Why do you know Why that? do I know who stars exactly. in the Tesseract movie that I've never seen? Why? It doesn't need to be the, there. The cover. The cover does. I think I put it on a long time ago. I was just like, what? And I just, I, I lost it. Yeah. But seeing Ex Machina and seeing Annihilation, this almost feels like a weird, perfect blend of both. Because yeah, 100%. the... The time travel element of it all, which isn't really an element, but is the permanence, the like free will angle, the just all of it, like all of the the philosophizing of it. Oh my which god! Is, like I understand, might be completely alienating for some people, right? And might they might find boring, but to me, it's like on top of that, you have what for me was a really interesting like mystery plot corporate espionage like how do we maneuver when like we don't know how far their reach goes that i love that sort of stuff and again has an emotional core to it and then um i need to sorry excuse me so sonia or mizuno or sonoya i i don't want to butcher her name uh, but Lily, she plays Lily. Lily, yeah. Incredible discovery for me. She was in Ex Machina. She's the the robot who dances with them. Yeah, I don't know if you remember that, mm-hmm. I remember that. But I loved everything about her performance. I know some people ragged on it. I saw that as one of the for detracting. Why though? I don't. Why, why would you I, even? I don't know either. But I. Are you watching the same show? Like what the fuck? My man? thoughts exactly, but I thought she was such a compelling and unique presence. Like I just haven't seen somebody like her in a show before. I want to see her in like a cyberpunk, yeah, type like, you know, she badass. fits the vibe of this computer, like extremely right. intelligent computer programmer. Like she fits the the bill on that front, and I think the performance carries it through. Where it's like, no, she's not spouting like cool badass like dialogue or whatever she's like an extremely thoughtful person trying to process some of these crazy concepts Mm -hmm. and who has emotional stakes of like finding out what what happened to sport this is the first episode i think it's in the trailer but essentially her boyfriend goes to work at a they both work for For this big tech company right but he goes to work for a a thing within this called devs. Okay? Yes. It's like a high, you, the most sought after position, essentially. Right. They get to go work in this structure that like you're only allowed into if you're a member of devs. Special research team. Yeah. He goes to work there and he subsequently disappears. We'll put it that way. Um, and keep listening when we go into spoilers and we'll tell you all about it. Yes. And excuse the sneeze. Whew. Whew. All right, great top ten list there, Noah. Turned into dad, man. Yep, you are. Wow. I did eerily sound like dad the minute you told me you were turning into dad. Yeah. Okay. 
All we right. did the list. We did, yeah. Do you want to? Did the whole. Do, are we gonna? Thing. We're gonna transition with something into spoilers. You just want to jump into spoilers and just um, like start going. I in. mean, I want to just real quick hit the shows that didn't quite make my list gotcha. that haven't been mentioned yet, and then we can talk about whatever you want to talk about. Spoilers. All right, you mentioned them because I'm pretty sure all the ones that you didn't put on there, I got as honorable mentions. Okay, too. starting from the very bottom of the list for me, and this is not all of what I saw. This is just everything that was basically like. A good, solid recommend to me or below. The Third Day, which is available on HBO. On my list We talked well. about it in our October episodes. Uh, at 26, I had Beef House, the latest Tim Heidecker and uh, Eric Wareheim vehicle. It's on Adult Swim. First season is now available, I believe, on HBO Max, if I'm not mistaken. If you're into that sort of thing, it is a deconstruction of 80s and 90s sitcoms, hmm. like Full House and the like. Uh, so your mileage may vary whether you find them funny I happen to think that they're pretty great my number 25 was The Undoing which was on HBO you and I never talked about how it wrapped up maybe we can talk about that in spoilers but uh, guess what my guess yeah it was right and it was right the whole time sounds like another show they spent five episodes trying to tell us that it wasn't Uh, but they overall it was still a very enjoyable experience and it was well acted and it had Nicole Kidman in it so you know, uh, it's got, it got an eight out of ten for me. So okay. what are you gonna do? Uh, excuse me. What we do in the shadows? Season two. Really enjoyed it. Not quite as much as season one, but season one has some uh, incredible episodes. Uh, but it is one of the best comedies on TV that's available. Uh, FX on Hulu. My number twenty three, Umbrella Academy, season two. Yep, that's it was one. a good time, a good time traveling. I love fucking time just, travel. Just shit, a dude. blast, man. Just a just a fun season of television. Nothing really negative to say about it. Lovecraft Country was my number twenty two. We talked about it. Number twenty one, I had the Midnight Gospel, very interesting animated show available on Netflix from Mr. Duncan Trussell. It's essentially segments of his podcast uh in animated form and it's one of the more thought-provoking and emotionally engaging shows i've seen all year if you like kind of you know casual philosophy armchair philosophy whatever you want to call it uh highly recommend checking it out and if you just like pretty cartoon animation uh just just a fun show to look at and uh it's available on netflix as i mentioned my number 20 fargo season four just wrapped up uh about a week and a half ago I love Fargo, the series as a whole. This might be the weakest, but that feels weird to even say. Maybe the least successful season, but even the worst season, it feels weird to say worst. I don't want to say that, but even the worst season of Fargo is better than 80% of what's on television. You know what I'm saying? There's still a certain high level of craft going on, even if not all of it comes together fully but i still really did enjoy this season uh i still encourage you to check it out and finish it if you did perhaps start it i know we talked about you possibly checking it i was out. trying to and then devs got in the way man well not a do? bad thing to make time for so there you go <coughs> uh Excuse zero me. zero zero was my number 19 at number 18 search party season three on hbo i feel like this show disappeared just as i was discovering it which like there are there's a season four coming, but I did not hear like any discussion about season three. And I spent part of quarantine catching up with the whole series because it's available on HBO Max. It is now a Max original. Hmm. So season four will be on there. I'm thinking first part of next year. Uh, but it is a 
murder mystery, uh, satire, dark comedy starring Ali Shawkat and a bunch of other extremely funny, good, awesome people. And it's great. It's it's one of my favorite new shows, and uh, I recommend people catch up on it. If you like if you like true crime, but you want some like some comedy and some social commentary baked in there, and just like pitch black humor, uh, <laughs> okay, get into it. Love Search Party, love it. Uh, let's see. Raised by Wolves at number seventeen. Uh, big shout out to this show. Only reason it's down here is because it, it's a little on the short side, but talk about something that I just absolutely adore from this year. How To with John Wilson. It's available on HBO. Only six episodes. It's a documentary series. Uh, it's produced by Nathan Fielder of Nathan For You fame, if you're familiar with that show at all. One of my favorites. Uh, John Wilson films most of his life in first person, essentially. He lives in New York. Each episode is just about a different topic. And it's just his his brain, dude. It's incredible. It's so funny. It'll it'll warm your heart, make you feel good about humanity. Uh, hmm. Just a great thing that I'm glad exists. And they just announced today it's getting a season two. Hmm. But yeah, every again, everyone's a different topic. There's stuff like how to wrap your furniture, uh, like in plastic wrap. How to uh, split the check, like when you're out to dinner with friends. Starts with a very like simple question, and then just compounds on itself, and becomes more and more hilarious and way deeper than you thought it could be, and just I I love this guy's brain and his brand of humor, really really enjoyed it. How to with John Wilson? That's on HBO. Okay, uh, I hope you're all taking notes. By the way, uh, I, hope the I hope you're all writing this down. <laughs> yeah, uh, The Boys season two, my number fifteen. My number 14, Kingdom Season 2, which I think I finally got you on board with. My number 11. Also got Sunshine Mayfield on board. Hoping we get a Season 3. Don't know if we need it, but I'm here for it. Yeah. I think it's, like, hugely successful in Korea as well. Oh, yeah, no. Like, and we all know Netflix don't give a shit about that American dollar anymore. It is all about expanding into foreign markets and territories where they don't already have, like, a huge foothold. So you're just going to continue to see more and more international programming. But again, if we get stuff like Kingdom and the Naked Director out of it, bring it on, man. Like, come on. Uh, But yeah, huge recommend for Kingdom. Again, that is the, I don't know what period of Korean history it is in, uh, but it's basically zombie Game of Thrones in, like, I think it's like feudal Japan era, but I don't know what you would call that in Korean history. I don't know if 14th, it's feudal Korea 14th, or what. 14th, 15th century. But, uh, but yes, great stuff. That's on Netflix. And the only one I had not mentioned yet, Better Call Saul, season five, my number 13. Loved it. Don't have anything else to say about it. It gets better and better every season. You're probably going to see the final season, season six, uh, I would imagine near my top three if it goes the way I'm expecting it to. Hmm. We get that next year. I cannot wait. Uh, what a brilliant show. Never thought I would be sitting here, you know, how many years after Breaking Bad has ended and being like, Seven. so Better Call Saul might be the superior show. I don't know. I need to rewatch Breaking Bad, but I, I never thought they would get to this point where I'm just like, it's just as good, if not better. And I felt like that about 
pretty much every season from like season three forward. So it's hmm. it's so good. I love Better Call Saul. Those are all my honorable mentions. I uh, had um I had The Outsider and Utopia as two I kept yeah, off the Outsider list. Outsider really Re, only know, because first, I wanted to like I was really excited and I really wanted to I love know, it and first part of the year I was super amped and I that's another one I think the pilot of that was incredible mm-hmm. uh, and I think everything that happened subsequent of spoiler alert Jason Bateman uh, let's just go ahead and we taking, jump into spoilers right now yeah Jason yes, Bateman okay, taking me. a shit and dying you know <laughs> taking a shit and dying <laughs> like like you you get it Pause. built like he's just to clarify one more time, okay. From this point forward, we will be talking about spoilers from all sorts of shows of 2020. It's two hours into this episode, so feel free to tune out. We appreciate you if you stuck with us this far. We love you guys. We'll be back with uh, movies to to wrap out the yeah, year. The big one, uh, yeah, the big one, which sounds weird to do because clearly TV is where our heads exactly. Work. Yeah, so I can't wait to do the movie episode with you, buddy. It's going to be fun. Okay. Uh, but yeah, from this point forward, it's open season. Uh, we're talking spoilers, so uh, get out if you don't want to hear <laughs> any. Uh, but we will say show by show as we go. Yeah, The Outsider. Uh, spoiler alert. Basically, everything that happens after Jason Bateman gets killed, subsequently, my investment in the story and everything just dissipated. Right. And then just the air was let out of it as we marched towards the finale, which again, that final shot... The post credit stinger scene, I don't need it. I don't want it. Get it out of my face. You know what? It didn't fucking matter because there is no season two. Officially canceled by HBO. As if it was a huge shocker. I was yeah, like, I know. Who was asking for it? I mean, it would have been nice. I don't know. Again, the the cast they assembled. Top notch. Everybody was great. Yeah. I should... You know, I would have loved for it to be sitting in the top 10, but they just, again, it did not need to be as long as it was. That's a key here. Did not need to be 10 episodes. Could have done this in six. Yeah. Could have done this in... Could have done it... I could have done an eight. I'll give it eight. Give it a true detective yeah. run. Give exactly. it a true run. Is Perry Mason eight, if I remember correctly? Yes, not a full it is. 10? It's, not, it's not a full 10. And you like Lithgow. I mean, he's good. Dude, again, nothing really like turned me off from it other than I missed the boat when it first started. So I missed the first wave of conversation, and then people very quickly moved on. Listen, I knew I should watch it when like mom and dad were catching it as it aired. That is when I should have yeah, watched yeah. it, but I didn't, and you know, that's how it went down. Okay, let's jump back to devs. Yeah. So... What's essentially re- what devs is when it's ultimately revealed? W- were you excited? Were you intrigued? Were you like, what the hell? <clears throat> well, I guess the thing that I think was so the thing just I'm thinking of the of the plot the pilot, and I'm thinking of the whole like he takes a break and he like he clicks his watch. And I'm like, okay. And I don't see him do anything else other than, like, mess with his watch. So when, like, he's walking out, and it's obviously not the way he came in because, like, you got the halo rim trees that are really dope. Um, And then, like, Offerman approaches him and is like, you were never going to do anything but this. Mm -hmm. And you're like, wait, what? The fuck are you talking about? Like, 
what did he do? Because you don't really know what he's done. He just messed right. with his watch. And I'm like, all right. And the next thing you know, it's bag over the head, dead, done. Whoa, what the fuck is this? I thought this was going to be my guy. Right. You know? And I'd love that part of it. Because if we all know Gavin, kill off the person you think you're going with in the first 15 minutes. I'll stay for the next seven, eight hours if I have to. <laughs> right. You yeah. know? Why not? Because you get the idea that like, and now thinking about it, what he shows them in the opener of, well, this is just a few seconds before. Like, this is, we've determined this, but we were kind of running into a problem here. Okay. And then you see all that transpires. But by the time you get to the end of the show, you're like, every time I've seen Nick Offerman on screen, he knows exactly what How? he is going to say. Yeah. What he's going to do. So does Alison Lohman. Yeah, the object... Per- I kept wondering why, like... They kept talking in ways that I'm like... They know something. But, like, what... Like, okay. When he's like, I don't remember... Don't forget that so-and-so's in your car. What? And then, like, I had already realized, okay, they can look into the past. They've been telling people not to look into the future. But in my mind, I'm like, they're fucking looking into the future. They have to. <laughs> right. They have to be doing this. And then you get, well, we know it goes to this time, and then it stops. And we don't know what happens after that. And I'm like, weird. And then you get them watching her crawl. And you're like, she's like, in, in three days, this girl's going to die. It is what it is. And you're like, how the fuck do you know this bitch? And then you like, oh, They've literally been doing what they tell the the other programmers not to do. They know everything down to a science. And that makes, like, one of my favorite things where, like, the the younger, like, you know, child prodigy kid is like, listen, it's Jesus talking. He's like, it's not Jesus. It's a version of Jesus. It's not really him. And he's like, you've undermined everything. You're fired. It's like whoa and like the kid has a break like you'll get your 10 million dollars and you will never speak of what happened here ever ever and i'm like you know the average person watching this is like nope deal but then when you see that like no that's my life's work it's like you're young you can do more it'll be fine Mm -hmm. like you just get to see like what that like exclusivity and like being a part of that program would mean to people and that to me was when i first started keying on the eye on the idea that like this is going to be going somewhere that I don't know where it's going to end, but I'm definitely on board because, you know, you get the ex, you know, bringing the ex-boyfriend into it, which that was such a fucking gut punch, man. Just, I mean, and then he gets probably the most unceremonious thing, like death of any character in a show this year. Like just, yeah. Like, and the dude just gets shot by Zach Grenier in a bathroom. (laughs) In the bed. No, he's on the floor. Oh, I thought that's. Remember, he comes in at the end, and when you re- that's when you realize the homeless dude was a Russian oh, dude as well. Me. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Spoiler alert: her... comes through. He's making the the lemon water. Right. He's making her water, and he just gets yeah, just gets ice. Double tapped right to the chest. No, that's it. Yeah, I was thinking about the earlier scene where he like is torturing him. And he breaks for his finger. Breaks yeah. his finger and everything. Yeah, I forgot he doesn't die. Then. No, he doesn't. You know. Uh, yeah, rough stuff. And dude, when when you first realize that he, the security guy, Zach Renee's character, is like not a badass, but like this guy will fuck you up. The fight in the parking structure. 
the like slow motion fight. I think it's the end of like episode two. No, or dude, three. it's the fact that it is <laughs> the fact that it is it starts an episode where you see Bits the commotion going on, right. it, and you end with them on the ground, and he is alive. After right after the, you're like, there's no way he's coming out of nope. this. And he's just there. What else has he been in that I was thinking of? Fight when I Club. He's the direct he's the boss, boss of Fight, Fight Club. Club. That's, That's what, what most it is. people would know him from. Right. Yeah. Because he's been in a bunch of Fincher movies. I think he's in Seven as well for like. Two yeah. Seconds. Okay. That's I'm thinking Fincher of stuff. Yeah. Because like I'm one of my favorite things was and it's oh and excuse me he was on Deadwood for like the oh, entire yeah. run well, or two seasons rather. Excuse me. No, just the one when. Just the one. When the senator woman comes to visit and the the old Secret Service guy or whatever is just like, fucking, sometimes I wish somebody would try and take a knife at her or something like that just so I can have some action. I get bored sitting around here. And then they have to do the talk down off the ledge. And he's like, you know, I fucking hate you, man. Like, you got to do that. And he goes, everything's going digital. Everything's going technology these days. Like, he's just like, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. But just the the callousness and the thing is, Watching it now, it's like, well, nothing is going to happen to her. It's like, are you telling him that so he won't? Or does this guy know that you know he's not going to do anything? Because if I'm if I'm that guy, <laughs> if I'm the security guy, and my boss says, well, nothing's going to happen to her, and I don't know that you've been looking into the future, who, how am I supposed to take that? Oh, okay, well, don't harm her. But if I know you've been looking into the future, I'm like... Dude, when the fuck do I do I die? What happens here? And I I don't know I don't know does this come from anything other than just his own brain or like oh yeah no it's not based on it that's the other just, another yeah, it, reason I absolutely yeah. loved it it's just <clears throat> this is what you get when and again solely him he I I don't are there co writers on I don't even movies? think there is a co writer dude I think it's just I think him. it is top to bottom him if I'm not mistaken yep only sole credited writer um. And they've asked him, you know, well, is this is this what you're doing now? Are you going to TV? And he's like, I got to be honest with you, it is pretty compelling because this is the first time he's ever done it. And it was like, dude, it seems like you're like tailor made for this because your movies have like such deep concepts and like rich mm-hmm. subtext to them that it would be great to be able to explore those more deeply. And he did say at some point that he would like to do very much the like kind of anthology model where he wouldn't do devs again, mm-hmm. but he might do another fully self-contained limited series with a lot of these same actors. That would and be I perfect. was like, ah, yes, please, whatever you want to do, I'm on board. Uh, but yeah, this, this uh, is the, the two old to die young or the twin peaks of this year. This is again, what I keep asking for, which is like, just take a director that I like. And let them do whatever the hell they want to do and leave them alone. And by that, we mean give them Kate Blanchett with a budget and just let them work. Yeah. That is all. And I think in contrast to Twin Peaks to Return, which was 18 hours long, and Too Old to Die Young, which clocked in around, what, 13, 14, somewhere in there? Yeah, somewhere in there. Uh, this was on the, the shorter side. And I, I think it shows the malleability of the of the format, and depending on the director. Something like he came in and told a very nice figure eight of a story, if you will. That it doesn't have that like circular logic in the way that 
some shitty sci-fi does, but it does end at a satisfying place to me, at least. I I, I don't know if some people felt burned by where it ultimately goes, but I mean, I, I, I loved the concept of the two of it. Like, yes, you get to have this world now, which is pretty much limitless to you. But you do have to also live with the knowledge of everything you've done. Before. Exactly, and that's like, like we can't like, wipe your memory. But I love it. that he's like you're the only self-aware ones here. But he's like, you get used to it, and yeah. then like that's it, and you're like, okay, all right, and, the, and it just goes because, and then again, it's the cute thing of like, you know, being self-aware because, okay, as much as I talk to you about like the oh, it's the Jacob Ladder of it's all. Oh, it was Josh all in his brain. He never left Vietnam. Whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. To me, you could argue that this ending is the equivalent of like the Dallas or whatever where Patrick Duffy, she wakes up and he's in the shower kind of thing. She wakes up and she's got the awareness that all this shit has happened to her. But at the end of the day, she gets to go and do what she realizes through the events that she's already gone through, what she should have done a long time ago, which was get back with Jamie, obviously. And so... You know, that being a thing, I just, I don't know. I, I It did end on a nice level to me. I don't really need any more oh, of I, these characters. I, I, think I don't per- think that I was ever in question. No, either. yeah. I mean, and that's, well, I'm saying that's what most people would get to is like, well, you know, why can't I get this? Why can't I get that? And it's like, mm, you really don't need that. Like, you just don't. And I feel like that is the big thing with literally anything these days is that because it is so in your face and you're able to get it like whenever you want, however you want. If you don't get it as all of it, as much as you want, you're not going to like it. Mm -hmm. I don't think binging uh, has made it able for people to digest a single contained thing. I think, yeah. And I think people get, take it very personally in a lot of cases where it's like, well, I invested all this time. I could be watching so many other things. I gave you all this time. Exactly. Why are you not the thing I want you to be? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I do think you're maybe general audience. But I also don't think those types of audience members got past the first episode of the show at the same time. I think it very clearly established, like, uh, this is something a little different. Maybe it's not your speed. Uh, And I've heard various reactions to it, but it just, it really, it's just smart deep thoughtful sci-fi uh that i yeah i want more of this yeah whether it's from him i really don't get but like between this and raised by wolves like good year for sci-fi television format i don't watch the expanse i know people love the expanse but can get into um, it yeah i tried i've heard it's one that like now is like game of thrones level in terms of like it has built and like it's for sci-fi fans, hmm, I'm saying, okay. but I I haven't you know haven't taken the plunge, haven't expanded my horizons. Oh my um, you want to talk a little Gangs of London, and then I I mean I don't really know if we have anything else beyond yeah, that. Gangs of London was but a good thing. It's fresh for both of us. I literally just finished it last night. What a show, man! Holy shit, that show. Pikey massacre. Oh my fucking. God, that was pretty wild. That is brutal um, as fuck. Well, hold on a second. I teased you with so first episode. You're like, all right, I'm interested. Like, and they do the Gavin's favorite. You take the most known person in the entire cast 
and kill them off in the first five minutes. Mm-hmm. They're just like, we're just going to ice cold meanie. And you'll Done. see him in some flashbacks. Yeah, but he's as soon got- as they killed him, I was like, dude, it's open season. I was like, anybody can die in this show. You just killed Cole. You just literally killed the only name actor I know in this. Come to find out, as I'm watching this, I'm like, I know a bunch of these guys. Exactly. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, Joe Cole, who plays Sean. I need to pull up my yeah. things of London list. He was the one from... Uh, he was in Green, Green Room. Room, and he was also on Peaky Blinders. If you watch right. Peaky Blinders, you would love Peaky Blinders if you never started it. Listen, I've, I I need to. I, everybody I know is on Killian that show. Killian Murphy. Yes. The, yeah, I, this I, I know. I need to. Tom Hardy shows up. For a little season bit. Season three. Yep. Yeah. Um, you need to make some time for it. It's only... There's six episode seasons, baby. Yeah, Jump I know. in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sorry, let me pull up my cast. You know what I want? I want to know where Taboo Season 2 is. Never going to happen, but like, I, I just know. want you it. can ask him about it. Okay. Uh, yeah, so Joe Cole, I knew. I realized I knew. And then uh, Papa Esedu, I'm probably butchering his name, I'm so sorry, who plays Alex mm-hmm. Damani. He's on I May Destroy You as a character named Kwame. Completely different performance. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, dude, they just... British actors, man. They know British how to, actors. I don't know. They what got else range, to say. man. Just wow. Um, Michelle Flaherty from Game of Thrones is on there as another very strong matriarch. Uh, oh, and there was a uh, who are the other big ones? I think that was pretty much it. But Cole Meany going into it was the only who's like the, who's the brother? I, I know the brother from somewhere. Hmm. The heroin addict brother, Billy. Oh, he was in Dunkirk uh, briefly, it. and he was also in Star Wars, Force Awakens, apparently. Papillon. Yeah. Yeah. He's the Papillon remake with Hunnam. Hunnam and your your boy, friggin' Robot Man. Um, robot Man. Christian Bay. Oh, Christian Slater is Mr. Robot. <laughs> Rami Malik is Elliot. Well, you just spoiled the whole fucking show for me, so thanks a lot you for that. You realize who Christian, you, Christian Slater is? You He calls him Mr. Robot in the first episode. Okay. And Christian Slater's not real. Right. It's Tyler Durden's situation. It is. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's all, again, why I haven't started the show. I'm like, I know the big season one twist. I gotta sit through how many episodes? But everything else is so good with that, dude. If I can tell you anything from this list, I wish you would go back and watch that I'll get that to show. it eventually. Back to Gangs of London. Yes. Excuse me. Okay. But that first episode where you're like getting invested or not even getting invested, but just getting the lay of the land of like, okay, this is not like necessarily street level crime. This is like high level, like international this is, this crime. Is my, this is my, this is my take. You know who this guy is, who Cole Meady was? Who is he? He was one of Harold Chen's men back <laughs> okay. in the day. That's who he is. Okay. Because they own the dock, Noah. Right. What did Harold Chan want to do? He wanted to own the dock. Yeah. This is a, and that's what I could, I, I took that from it. To me, Alex Damani's father, the guy who plays him, I would watch a movie now with him, that dude, as a Harold Chan typed character. Yeah. Lucian Masmati. If they who remade. Plays Ed Dumani. Right. One, one of the Total best Bob Hopkins, of the Bob Hoskins vibes, dude. Yeah. I felt like they encapsulated everything anybody had ever put on screen about British gangsters. It was like 
oh, you think that, you think like Snatch and Lockstock, that's what British gangster stuff is? No, 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 let me show you this. Let me pull in these little tropes, these little tiny uh, idiosyncrasies from The Long Good Friday and all these other gangster movies you've never seen, and I'm going to put them on screen. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to show you breakneck fucking action to point where I was like, Whoa, whoa. Like, I had to, I was like visibly like, holy shit, did I just watch that, that happen? Fir- that first that bar, bar fight, fight scene, dude. Which the whole first episode essentially builds to. Right. But yeah. When he, when Elliot just takes a deep breath and then walks in there, and it's literally every person he takes down in that bar, every single one of those, I was like, oh, oh. And it was like, that's the feeling like you get from a raid fight scene, but it was just so extended in this and seeing it in the context of like, this is just a fucking pub in the middle of England. Like, this is not some crazy 40 story tenement nope. in the raid. This is not some like, you know, narrow street car chase in the raid, etc. So, uh, that guy, that hooked me on board. But what I love is everything you were just talking about. It's like. That's what I ended up staying for mm-hmm. because they keep the, the crazy action is there and it's pretty consistent throughout the season and it's doled out like as it needs to be. But by the time we rounded into the end, I was like, you guys have crossed the Rubicon, if you will. I am now fully invested in the characters, the the mystery of who killed um, Finn, Colmini's character that runs throughout the bulk of the season and like where the allegiances lie and all the, all the shifting power dynamics, the double crosses, all of that stuff, which could, could be very cliched. And some of it was, but a lot of it kept me guessing. And dude, we will talk about the finale in a minute, but I did not see any of that shit coming. Total, just the entire finale, the whole final episode. I I was like to have started where we started this story. And to now be where we are, and to, we'll get to it in a second. The other one I wanted to highlight, as far as action set pieces, there's some great fights in here. There's a great fight in the second episode as well, with the giant naked knife guy. But how much did you love when in episode 6, it turns into Assault on Precinct 13 on crack, dude? Fuck Yes, I am so glad <laughs> I, that's the next one you mentioned. I, I knew this poor I knew Gavin fucking was sitting family, there just like, dude. Oh my god! <laughs> because you take the father who has like made it out of that pikey assassin, like like people are in in dude when he's busting through the floor of his trailer to like escape that. That's the dad in Third Day, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and like the. I'm going to have to say this. This is going to have to just be out there, Noam. I think we got a new sheriff in town when it comes for squibs and people getting ripped to shit. It used to be Rodriguez. It's this guy. The old, the, he literally takes two seconds to like poke somebody that's sitting out front of their, of their, their trailer. And then like the next, he looks out the window and hears a bunch of stuff and it's, and this person on the porch just just explodes essentially it's like, holy fuck dude what are we doing and then to cut to like hey you know your son you know you got away you already sent your son away and now this danish special force group dude when they show up like and they're all in tracksuits well, i immediately i immediately was like 
these fucking Germans, man. What are these Germans up to? And eventually they're like, they're Danish special forces. I was like, dude, what the, the fuck? fuck? What are these Danes <laughs> up to, man? Jesus, man. They really hold up well under torture, And too. God, they are so pretty. <laughs> yeah. So fucking All pretty, man. Yeah. Vicious. Pretty vicious. And they have those blonde-haired children who are just... Yeah. You know, but no. And, th- yeah, for like... Like, the oh, dude, the, the badass... Who's like been ripped to shreds and puts a grenade in a in a backpack and like lumbers to the door. Dude, the the three of them at the door running, I don't think I've ever seen someone it was like a blade when they come in the sunlight and they just eviscerate. Mm -hmm. It was like that on great CGI crack for them to get that doesn't have Grenades don't, well, I guess I get there was C4, so that makes why it was such a big explosion. But them getting just like, (laughs) you know, like a match head just was batshit. Like, wild, dude. Well, how do you, and just the gunplay around corners and the tight spaces and just, you know. In that same sequence, a dude is literally doing Max Payne in real time. Yes. Where he's diving into rooms with Uzis, like just Mm -hmm. just spraying and praying, basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, just wild but stuff. But th- for them and to come out was... of the, for them to come down the hill, and be like the people who are just there for supplies, like those poor kids that probably had nothing to do with it, that just get, yeah, un- just ripped, ripped apart, yeah. And then the boat guy comes and he's like, "Where the fuck is my wife?" Pat, 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 pat. That's it. And to unceremoniously just end on that dock, like, all right, well we're done with this child. We need to get another son. Like, what the fuck, yeah. man? And I love that, like, that showed potentially long term when we go into season two that was essentially a bottle episode like it was all removed from the main action that we had been following up because to that we point. just got it him taking a bullet for sean it and we cut new, and i love yeah, that it introduced new characters it deepened the plot and it at the very end it gave us like a key answer to the puzzle piece of like who who killed because he asked the the assassin, the Danes or whatever, like, why'd you pick my son? Like, why'd you pick hire him for this assassination, et cetera? Again, people who have watched, you know. So wait, the Danes, is this is, I didn't talking. miss it. So the Danes hired, like, text the son to go. Yes, at the behest of Javon. Javon, okay. Yeah. He was the one. He was calling the shots the entire time with any, any hits, essentially. It was him. Well, yeah. And again, he's being instructed by the the mysterious people in the limo, the next rung up. That is where that is the, the dope fina- shit, dude. I the love finale that. going in that direction of like the larger conspiracy of it. And to play it out where it's like when they have that scene again, I, I know a lot of people have not watched, even if they're listening now, this is basically me and you catching exactly. up about what happened this season. When they have the moment of Sean being like, well, no dude, like I, I'm ready to take down these people. I'm ready to take down the invisible structure, the thing that oppresses like everybody. I have the means to do it. I can expose these people. I can take them down, all of this. And and I'm sitting there and I'm like, dude, this is the new gang being formed. We have Elliot, the undercover police officer who's in way too deep now. Now, and, quit, hang on, before and, this, did he call him D.I. so-and-so? He called him D.I. Stewart or something like that. Carver, yeah. D.I. Carver. Yeah. Did he know then that he was undercover? Or was it not until the very end? 
he knew he was undercover. He, yeah, he calls him on it like immediately. As soon as he comes in there. What do you mean? Oh, I didn't think he knew that he was actually a cop until later on. No, he knew he... He knows in that episode. What are you saying? I'm confused. There's an episode earlier where they go to a they go meet they go yes no the, the that, tiny I children. know what you're talking about now no that is just a moment of like he's teasing him because he's saying that like oh you're acting like a cop oh he just that's yes, right he had just okay yes, yes, I completely yes. forget he just and said they were cops. It's a moment of like oh shit does he know that's what I was getting at him. I took it but as no, oh shit he, he knew it no but he, he doesn't, doesn't know, know until, until he the finds final that cell phone right yeah. gotcha okay sorry we're on different pages there no I get it but. It's building up in such a way where I'm like, oh, this is the new gang being formed. Right. Now there's going to be a faction where it's like, Ed is out of the picture, and now it's Alex, Sean, it's the sons, and then Elliot, this former cop who is like gone all the way around to the other side now. Mm-hmm. And I was, get, I was like, dude, perfect place to leave it for season two. Great setup, guys. You fucking knocked it out of the park. And then fucking Elliot shoots Sean point blank in the face. Just the way his dad died. Yeah. And I was like, what? You know, we start flashing back to his meeting in the limo with like, you know, what did they tell you to do? All of this stuff. Oh, dude, the fact that we started that episode and he was naked in a chair or like in his... Being tortured. Being tortured. By who knows what? By who knows... The giant... This show has a full-on premium on giant men with big arms that can toss men around like nothing. These are like beefcake, like old school 20s, like... That's Barbell such a lifters. great dynamic, too, though, when you've seen him be such a badass through most of this season. You've seen him just, like, put in work on dudes. And then all of a sudden, this dude who's, like, seven foot has biceps the size of, like, most people's thighs and shit. Like, just giant He giant lifts him up arms. by the throat in a chair. Literally, yes, takes him oh. bound to a chair and scales him up. Uh, just incredible stuff. Incredible yeah. stuff. Same thing with like the the now that was okay. dude, that fucking that fight with the fir- the first big fight with the guy with the meat cleaver, that was some fuck shit. Like you know, wow. Dude. Did you get the finisher for that? Did you get vibes <laughs> that? Did you get vibes that like the son that that was his? You know, he he the son that did the murder mm-hmm. and he brought his boy with him. Mm-hmm. Did you get vibes like they were like an item? Yeah. Okay, I was making sure I did too because I was like, oh, these guys are gay. And they can't be gay in the pikey culture. I would so they want money so. to run away. Yeah. And that's why they're doing this. And then they don't know that, oh my God, it's 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 the the fucking king of London. Yeah. You know, essentially. Yeah. And all that that entails. So but the flip at the end of oh, like, yeah. okay, Elliot's now working at the because he really being a cop is not like the most relevant thing at this point. No, it, not at all. It is like Sean kind of calls him out on it. It's like, it is just being somebody or having some sort of purpose because, you know, you grew up in the shadow of your father who was like a, a palooka or whatever they call him, like a boxer who just like went down all the time. Mm-hmm. And so getting that full transition to like, okay. And now he has carte blanche to do whatever he wants. I guess he gets out of this like, torture scenario by like saying a phrase and now he works for i'm just the the possibilities that open and the like we were playing this mystery of like one death for most of the season and now it's this like grander conspiracy of like well who's really in control of all of this crime etc who's pulling their strings and where where does he go from here and then we get the last little teaser that uh Ma- Mama Wallace 
is it's not dead. actually dead. Nope. Yeah. Which is very exciting because I'll be honest with you, when he shot Sean in the face, I was so pissed off. Yeah. I was angry, dude, and I was like, great on you guys for totally faking me out when you had the whole build-up scene of like, dude, yeah, they're about to start a new crew right here in the room. Like, he talks Alex down from murdering you, him. They're you, all on good terms. And, and you then forget the key thing, Noah. There's a scene early on when he asks Sean to basically come into the life that they're in. And I love that scene because little brother just steps up and shoots that fucking pail. Dude's yeah. dead. And little brother tells him, save him, Elliot, or I'll kill you. And that's it. Now, mm-hmm. you're get, you're told that he's going to go off and, like, he'll be safe and live another life. But there's still that little thread from that angle that if Mama's still alive and he finds out Elliot's the one that killed his brother, they link back up. That's that, the Billy, is that his name? Yeah. The younger brother, that's the animal. Like, people thought Sean was brutal for tying that kid up and burning him on the side of the whatever. Like, yeah. That's the real animal you got to watch out for. Like, mm-hmm. and I love that. And that's well, still in play. And also, again, Mother Wallace. Oh, yeah. When she's torturing the Danish girl. Oh, dude, that was like, I was like, this is some next level shit, man. Well, and the, the song on repeat, dude. Yeah. Such a fact. Great music cues throughout the show. Oh, yeah, by the definitely. Way. Like, great, great style and tone, everything. Incredible camera work. Uh, just top down, dude. I, yeah. Great stuff. One of my favorite new shows, dude. Yeah, that was, again, a revelation because I was just like... Again, it's like it has the the action gear in its back pocket where it's like, just bottom line, maybe the best action show on television ever. Just the the type of action it is and like the level of Mm -hmm. like craft to it. It has that in its back pocket, but it's like, I'm... I care about all the the intrigue and like, you know... Are the cop? Are the undercover cops gonna get found out? Uh, is this guy gonna take revenge on the dude? We didn't even talk Luan when he goes to meet with the Nigerians. Oh my god! Dude. And you're like, oh dude, it's over for him. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is how he dies. Like this is the end of his arc as a character, or whatever. And then he just completely flips script and like machetes all of them to like. You and see then gouges dude's eyes out. You see his like animal come out. And the setup for, like, with his, where he's like, I don't want to run away or whatever. And his wife is like, no, we're going to leave. Your enemies are going to fight amongst themselves, kill off each other. And then when you come back, you're going to, like, take over all of this shit. Oh, dude. The fuck, the, the, the mayor of London and the prostitute woman that, like, it, the son, Nazir, like, his, finding his son with, like, the yeah dead, like, and then. You said the prostitute woman? I don't know. She looked like she was interviewing him, but like I thought she was somehow. I don't. I didn't know why I said prostitute woman. That was Lale in like in drag. a wig. Not that was in her drag. That was her in a wig. Yeah, I thought it was just a random no, assassin they hired. No, I didn't realize was it was Lale. her. Okay, yeah. I thought it was someone else. Well. Oh, dude. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, in the, I again, I like like all the characters, and not not like. Oh my god! I have these huge like emotional investments or attachments, but I'm like they have a big mosaic cast, and most of the time when you do that, there's always like a thread you're gonna cut to where I'm mm-hmm. like, eh, I don't really care about this one, but they've established a world where I'm like, I want to see how all of this interconnects and like who's playing off of who and who's you know all all of that stuff totally works. And if you're ever getting bored of it, just wait about twenty more minutes 
there's gonna be an action set piece unlike if, anything listen, you've seen on television. And if not if ever. not an action set piece, it will be a piece that like disturbs the shit out of you, but will ultimately have like a great payoff because when all those dudes are like they stole our money and like they go cut off everyone's in the bank's hands and then they come to the party and you're like Oh, dude. oh all those hands are in that box. They're gonna give that look and it's a puppy. Yeah. Because the puppy was the in the bank manager's office. Like, yeah. Yeah. like, oh, okay. Because it doesn't say that those people died. It said, yeah, they all got their hands cut off. It's like, <laughs> right. oh, shit. What the hell? What is this? <laughs> and so, but then, again, with the guy you're just talking about, you get the satisfaction of, like, I don't like these dudes. But also, like, it was kind of cool that he gave the little girl a puppy instead of a bunch of hands. He didn't traumatize her. Yeah. But now it is kind of cool that that girl's dad is, like, gouging this motherfucker's eyes out. Like, <laughs> that's cool, too. Right. And the mom is all right. Like, they're great, you know? Like, get the kids to the safe house. We're going to do this. Like, it's just such a... It, I don't know. It's it's so crazy that, like, even, like, the, the, the hit on the factory with the flowers and stuff. And they, like, he's oh, watching God, them. Yeah. He's watching them go in and just, like annihilate this entire you know it's just i don't know i don't know there's well and that's what i'm saying they i i don't feel like it's like lampshading it where it's like oh we're gonna like revel in it a bit so that people can't criticize us for like it being overly gory or whatever but the kind of realization that sean comes to by the end of it of like oh my dad was like just kind of sick of all this and wanted to get out of it and that's why they like they took him out for trying to like not play the game anymore right for trying to like do his own thing and like just be done with well it. they do say that like and, the reason why is because he borrowed from the investors right he stole from them to finance something that did not actually work out and so the money could not be repaid so that's why he was disappearing was to run away from the investors mm-hmm. yeah to get out but like Oh, if I can, if I can do this and I can steal all this money, I can just disappear. But Sean having that realization that like, what was it all for, et cetera, all this violence he's wrought and like coming to terms with like the stuff I've done in pursuit of like my father's killer where it's like, you know, do I, is my father even the man I remember at this point? Mm-hmm. Um, that like allows you to feel the weight a little bit more and moments like you said of like when they wholesale slaughter that whole warehouse full of people like i was so ready for asif to die then and like he's still not dead so he's a ling like yeah but he's also he has to, right like now. but now the guy um, who just got elected mayor is dead right like didn't yeah. his son win the mayoral election i think he had just won yeah and, that was you know, his celebration he, he's dead part. yeah yeah um, but yeah, and there's, they're establishing now all of these like counter feuds and stuff that you, we will potentially get to see play out. I, I so hope that we get a season two. Cause the Dane. I can't see, I know it's a huge hit over in England. Yeah. I don't know if people are catching up to it now, but like. Because the, aren't the Danes the one that come in at the very end that are chasing them? When, when he kills. Yes. Yeah. Because like. You know, I know they come to their house and it's like it was like the big lead Irish dude that you thought was like going to be the right hand man to the the mom. And he gets killed like in two seconds when they come to the house. I'm like, oh, he must have not been that uh, that bad of a dude that, you know, because those Danish dudes, guys, man, they're, they're those yeah. just b- brutal. 
Yeah. Like, the show is brutal. And I love that he was like, oh, yeah, well, there were so many of them, but I had a dart. It's like, <laughs> I had a dart. What? There's, every once in a while, it has a nice little a nice little zinger. There's not a lot of humor in the show, no. but every once in a while, it has its moments. Uh, yeah, so we both thoroughly enjoyed that one. Uh, I mean, we could talk Mando, but I would also, we'll talk whenever it's wrapped. Yeah, no, it's uh, fine. We'll we catch did. the next two, and, and we'll, yeah. we'll talk about it. We may do a full-on episode about the Rodriguez-directed one. Who yeah. knows? We'll see. Uh, so, yeah, if anybody has stuck with us deep into the spoiler discussion, uh, thanks for sticking around. We will be back fairly soon with our year-end film wrap-up, the last year-end wrap-up cast. Yeah. And then we'll say goodbye to fucking 2020, and we'll move on to some cool, fun stuff first of the year. We Hopefully so. Bunch of stuff planned for you. Uh, a little thing I'll talk to you about off mic, so don't even worry about it right okay, now. Yeah. Uh, for for this two hour and thirty five minute episode, I have been Noah and I've been Gavin and we've been the Blanchard Brothers, and you've been listening to what we were watching in twenty twenty. Thanks oh, for listening. I was gonna say what we were streaming. Because I mean, it was a lot of streaming. Yeah, yeah, watching is general. But you know what? Streamed a lot of movies this year yeah, too. That's so true. what are you gonna do? Yeah, I was gonna try and say something cool like you, you'll be streaming what we've been dreaming or something ridiculous. But that's not. We'll that's not stream you in a dream. Stream in a dream. This is the Blanchard Brothers saying, "We stream you in a dream." Yeah, and uh, my money's on Leto. <laughs>